Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Swarm Chatter Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by Reb Shimon Shemanowitz, who's the head of Machon Ale Zayas. And uh, we'll be discussing a new Sefer, just, pub- just edited and published through Machon Ale Zayas. Uh, it's actually a new edition of a Sefer. Uh, Igor Seifrim, the letters of the Eger Seifer family, well, probably very familiar to a lot of listeners, uh, and we'll uh, talk about the Sefer. So thank you, Shimon, for joining me once again. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I think it'll be very interesting to talk about the Igrois Seifrim. It's very multifaceted. It has Rabbi Kiveger, the Chsam Seifer, the Ksav Seifer, and more. And it's a lot of very popular figures. I think that the listeners will enjoy our com- our conversation. Okay, so let's start. First of all, you mentioned the pronunciation. So it's Igrois Seifrim, right? It's Igrois, the plural, like the letters of Seifrim. But the name is actually written with a male, you know, it's Alev Yud Gimel. As a matter of fact, through the throughout the process of publication, there many different editors wanted to correct it and take out the Yud, and I had to keep putting it back inside because the author, who's the grandson of the Hassam Seifer and the great grandson of Rabbi Kiveger, Rabbi Shloyme Seifer, the Berek Sazrov, some people know him better for his publication of the Chut HaMeshulish, which was also a similar kind of work, it was biographical work about Rabbi Kiveger and the Chassam Seifer, and the Ksav Seifer, which was his father, who was his father, and that's that's the name Chut HaMeshulish, and Rabbi Shloyme Seifer, the Berek Sazrov, he published the Chut HaMeshulish, and he also published the letters of his uh, forebearers, Igrois Seifrim. And in the first publication from the first Shar, the Sharblat, on the letters Aleph Yud Gimel Reish, he put a dot on top. And on, t- on top of the letters Samach Vav Beis Reish, he also put Samach Vav Pei Reish, he also put a dot to indicate that it's called Igrois Seifrim as an Eger Seifer, because you have letters from Rabbi Eger, Rabbi Eger, the Eger family, and the Seifer family, of course, I'm sure many of the listeners at least are aware that the Chassam Seifer was Rabbi Kiveger's son-in-law, very close-knit family, and he has letters from both families together. Okay, so, you know, you did, you did a good job by leaving the Yud in. Okay, so let, let's actually talk about it. A lot of listeners probably are familiar, but for those that aren't familiar, I do want to start off with kind of a basic information of the family, if you want to give like a family tree kind of thing. Uh, to you know, from Rabbi Kiveger down. So, so really, we should post this on the together with the podcast when it comes out because it's hard to give a family tree uh, orally. It's easier to see it to visualize it. But the Rabbi Kiveger was, I guess, the patriarch of the family, and he was the father-in-law of the Chassam Seifer. The Chassam Seifer got married three times. Uh, his second marriage was Cyril, the daughter of the of Rabbi Kiveger. He only had children from his second wife. He had no children from his first wife. He had no children from his third wife. But he did have children from all his children, and he had many children. He had from the from Rabbi Kiveger's um, Rabbi Kiveger's daughter, Cyril. Uh, she didn't live too long because she married him. She was much much younger than Chassam Seifer, and he outlived her. And uh, he, as a matter of fact, Rabbi Kiveger also outlived his daughter. She died shortly before him. But uh, that was the, that's the connection. The Chassam Seifer, Seifer was the pride and joy of Rabbi Kiveger's family. They were very proud that he was that he married into the family. As a matter of fact, there's a fascinating letter in the Sefer Igra Seifrim, where Rabbi Kiveger writes a letter to his brother Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Kiveger had a brother Rabbi Shmuel who was living in Pressburg. The Chassam Seifer was robbed in Pressburg. It's possible Rabbi Kiveger himself was born in Pressburg. That's also discussed. 
in the Sefer, but his brother certainly lived in Pressburg, Shmuel, and the Kivega writes a letter to his brother discussing whether he wants to take on a more prestigious Rabbonus in Posen. And one of the reasons that was being argued to Kivega why he should take on Rabbonus is because it would, would not be, it, it's not enough, it's not, doesn't pass, to use a Yiddish word, or it's not fitting enough for the Chassam Sofer that his father-in-law is a rabbi of such a small town where he was a Rav at the time. And it would be more fitting for the Chassam Sofer if his father-in-law, Rabbi Kivega, would be a Rav in a more important town. And Rabbi Kivega responds, this is a Michtav Yud Aleph in this Sefer, in the Igris Sefer, in the section of Rabbi Kivega's letters. He says, Gam chasni I'm very proud of him. He doesn't have to have honor through me. So he says, I'm not going to take that. It's not a reason for me to take on the Rabbonus because it should be uh, more honorable for some that his father was not just a rub of a small town, but a rub of a big city like Posen. So Kivega was the father in law. Some Sofer was the son in law, although they were basically the same age. They were very just a year or two apart, and they died about a year or two apart. And they were colleagues, they were equals, they were contemporaries. And he was the pride and joy of the family of Chassam Seifer. And then there was, Rabbi Kivega had many other sons, but the most prominent son was Rabbi Shloyme Eger. Kivega had a huge family, huge, huge family. There's a letter from Shloyme Eger where he lists the surviving children of Rabbi Kivega. There was many children, and he lists the surviving children. And there are, they were for multiple wives, though. Unlike Chassam uh, Seifer had all children from the same wife, Rabbi Kivega had a very large family. We're used to knowing that people that used to have smaller families, but the Kivega had a very large family, and they were all from the same wife. And in a letter after Kivega was Nifter, and that's Michtov Nun Dalid, in the Kisvei Rabbi Nishloim Eger, there he writes to the Chassam Soifer, his brother-in-law, and he says that I want you to know this is how the, the state of the family today. There are 15 surviving children, and he lists all of them, one through 15, all the names of the children over there, Rabbi Kivega. So Kivega had a huge family. But Rabbi Shloim Eger was the most prominent. He actually took over the Rabbonus in Posen. And he, there are a few letters from Rabbi Shloim Eger in this as well. So there's a letter from Rabbi Kivager. There's letters from Rabbi Shloim Eger, the son of Rabbi Kivager, the brother-in-law of the Chassam Seifer. But Rabbi Shloim Eger's letters in the original were included in, Rabbi, in the section under Rabbi Kivager's letters. In our edition, I, um, because I felt Rabbi Shloim Eger should be more prominent, and not just be swallowed up in his father's letters, I made a separate section for his letters. I kept the same order, but I made a separate section, and we added a few more letters that I found here and there, a few extra letters, that, and they're, they're marked as additions, so it's not to be confused with the original Sefer, from Rav Shloim Eger. And there are many fascinating, very important letters of Rav Shloim Eger. Also not so well-known Rav Shloim Eger was that he's a big leichem at Milchem Hashem. He was a great kanoi, and he fought um, ferociously against the uh, Haskalah, which was one of the reasons why he was so important to take over his father's position. That was a Shloyme Eger. The Chassam Seifer himself was a bit of a patriarch in his own right, and it is commonly known that, by, especially by Hungarians, they consider Rabbi Kiveger just the father-in-law of the Chassam Seifer. They don't look at the Chassam Seifer as, uh, as the Kiveger as, as uh, being something onto himself. But uh, and, and, and there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because the Chassam Seifer was... They lived in his place, and they continued going in his ways. So, therefore, he was the leader of that movement, and they, they were—he was the patriarch and the father, a figure of that movement of that genre. Let's just say of Ashkenaz, Ashkenaz uh, Jewry 
ultra orthodox and extreme Haredi uh, uh, Ashkenazi Jewry, which also included a uh, very high level of learning and a, a typical way of life of being a rub of a town and having yeshiva and writing shuvas and adhering to the strictest form of, of the interpretation of the Shulchan Aruch. Th- that kind of, and, 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 and at the same time adhering to the old Menhagim, that kind of, today people call them the Oibel and the Yidin, that kind of yid lived in the shadow of the Chassam Sefer. So therefore, Kivega was an historical, biological ancestor, whereas the, the Chassam Sefer was the leader of the movement. So that's why they do attribute more there. They, they, they do consider some more his followers. The Chassam Sefer's son, who took over his position in Preshburg, as Preshburg was from Shmuel Benyam and Sefer, the Ksav Sefer, he took him over, and he was he's also has a, a special section in the in the, in the Igris Sefer dedicated to him. He was the father of the person who put it together. Shlomo Seifer was his son, and the Bavron Seifer was the Ksaf Seifer. There's also a section in the Seifer for the Michtav Seifer for Rip Shimon Seifer, who was another son of the Chassam Seifer, younger son of the Chassam Seifer, also very important. And he was the Rav of Krakow, so he left that area. He didn't stay. He originally was Rav of Matasdorf, which is not far from Preshburg. And uh, which the Chumsoifer himself originally was Rav in Matasdorf, and the Matasdorfer Rabbonus stayed in the orbit of the Chumsoifer from when he had it until after the even after Shimon Seifer left. Matasdorf was not a big city, but Matasdorf was uh, a very uh, Torahic city, and um, it stayed in the orbit of the Chumsoifer. And his son, Rav Shimon Seifer, originally the Rav of Matasdorf, then he became the Rav of Krakow, which was in Galicia and Poland. And he was also a very, very important rather than a very big player on the global uh, Jewish scene. And there's also a section dedicated to the letters of Reb Shimon Seifer. So basically, the Seifer is divided up in, from the letters of the Chassam, of the Kiva Eger, a subsection, Reb Shloyme Eger, a new section called Chassam Seifer, Reb Moshe Seifer, a subsection, another section called the, the Ksav Seifer. And in the original, there was also letters together with the Ksav Seifer from his his son, who was the Shevet Seifer, the Shev, which was the brother of the author, the brother of the uh, of the publisher of the original Sefer Igre Seifer. The Shevet Seifer of Simcha Budim Seifer. He took over after the Ksav Seifer became the Rav of Presburg. Also a great Rosh Hashiva, uh, a brilliant Rosh Hashiva, Goyin Olam, and uh, also a Chuvis. And uh, he's even less known than the Ksav Seifer, but he was a very important Rav and a, and a great Rav of Presburg. And in, again, in our edition, I made a special section out of the Save Shevet Cipher and purposely added a few letters to just, you know, bring out the, I, I was focusing a little bit more on the forgotten ones, that not the forgotten ones, the Shevet Cipher is no way a forgotten Rav, but not as prominent and famous as Rabbi Kivega. And then there is the, the Rabbi Shimon Cipher. And in the end of Rabbi Shimon Cipher, there was a few miscellaneous letters from Rabbi Kiva Kornitzer, who was Rabbi Shimon Cipher's son-in-law. And the Hassan Seifer, the Hassan Seifer was Reb Shmuel Ehrenfeld. Today, it's a very prominent family, the Ehrenfeld family. A lot of big Rosh Hashivas are married into that family, the, the Matasdorfer Ehrenfeld family. The, the, the Hassan Seifer was Reb Shmuel, Shmuel Ehrenfeld. He was a son of the daughter of the Hassan Seifer. Hassan Seifer had a daughter who married Rav David Svi uh, Ehrenfeld. And Reb David Ehrenfeld had a son whose name is Reb Shmuel. He started out as a actually a uh, businessman, and then he went and became a Rav of Matasdorf, great Rosh Hashiva, died very young, very tragically. And he is the patriarch of the Matasdorf family. So again, this in this our edition, there we made a special section for the Hassan Seifer, even though there's just a few letters. 
And also many letters were added to that as well. Okay, so hopefully everyone's head is not spinning right now. Um, I told you this before when we were talking about the Sefer, that you should have included the tree really in the Sefer. We didn't include the tree. Okay, but somehow, maybe like you're saying, I could email people if they want a picture or we can post it somewhere you know, on the blog or something. We can figure out how to, how to deal with that. A couple of things just quickly to add. Ager, so first of all, his name was Gans, Gins, as he signs his letters, not Ager. That was his mother's name, I believe. And he um, he was in Posen, like you mentioned, Poznan in Poland. The Chassam Sefer, Moshe Sefer, his son-in-law, was German. He was from Frankfurt. But he ended up in Pressburg, which is uh, Bratislava, I think today in Slovakia, but it was uh, Hungary, part of Hungary at the time. So it was, it was in Hungary. So try to just figure out where everybody was going. Uh, to f- figure out what's going on over here. Okay, so I think we got enough of the basic biography. We'll, we'll, it'll, I'll let you add something, but I was like, it will come out as we go through and talk about the safer and the letters. People will remember, you'll, you'll hear more about this. I just wanted to point out that you mentioned that Rikvega comes from Posen and uh, the Chsam comes from Frankfurt. Uh, people uh, identify Rikvega as a Polish Rav or someone who is very close related to the Lithuanians. And we'll see there is something to that as well. But Rikvega was actually, he signs all his letters from Eisenstadt, which was one of the Shevikahilas, and that is in Austria. And the reason why you mentioned before that Pressburg is associated with Hungary is because it's part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So there was the same kind, the same kind of Yid lived in Eisenstadt as lived in Budapest, as lived in um, Pressburg. That's why the disclaimer people say, I'm not Hungarian, I come from Slovakia, it really just it rings hollow, because it's all the same, the same kind of yid that comes from all those places. Uh, uh, full disclosure, my family comes from there as well. But uh, my, my my grandfather comes from a town very, it's uh, very, actually, it's the yard side today, uh, very close to Presburg, the closest to Presburg called Serdahl, um, which is also comes up many times in these letters. Barbara Kivega signs his name from Eisenstadt. There's actually evidence he might have been born in the sit in Presburg itself, because there's a Moyle book which mentions Rabbi Kivega's Mila, and in there it seems that the Moyle in Presburg actually performed the Mila. So even though it's possible that the Moyle went to, over to Eisenstadt to do perform the Mila, it's also possible that Rabbi Kivega was born in Presburg. The reason why he signs his name May Eisenstadt is because he grew up in the city of Eisenstadt. So Rabbi Kivega actually came from Presburg. And he had a brother, as I mentioned before, of Shmuel, who lived in Presburg. And the Chsam Seifer originated from Germany, from Frankfurt. So it was Rabbi Kiveger who was, quote-unquote, the Hungarian. And it was the Chsam Seifer who was, just to use today's terms, the Yeke. And it's not like the impression that most people have, I think. That's just an interesting thing to point out. Right. The Chsam Seifer was from Frankfurt. Like I mentioned, he learned by Nelson Adler. He learned by a little bit by the Hafla, maybe a drop. He learned not others. So he was... He was it was German originally before going into Hungary, uh, so to speak. Okay, so now about this Sefer. So you mentioned, I think, that uh, this Reb Shloyma Sefer, the grandson of the Chsam Sefer, Chsav Sefer's son, is the one who put together uh, the Sefer. So the Igris Sefer. So just uh, briefly, when when did he print that? And was your, why did he decide he's going to put together this volume of, of letters? So he actually did this in the end of his life. Life, as he as as he mentions in his introduction, it seems that he was a bit older already, and he he, he lived very long. There's a letter from the Sarita Eish. He says he met he met this Shlomo Soifer. He calls him Hayoshish, an older man. He was an old man. He lived very long, and in the end of his life is when he actually went and published this. But he writes that this is something that he started when he was a child. He writes this Nagdama. He says that when he was a child, he would 
when they would prepare for sukkahs, and days between Yom Kippur and sukkahs, they would decorate the sukkah, so they'd go up to the attic, and they'd collect, I guess, the sukkah's decorations, and they would be mountains of letters from the Chassam Seifer, the Ksav Seifer, and uh, he remembers seeing that, and he says that's because of Avoisai were careful not to throw, not to destroy any letters, as per as per Rabbi Yehuda Chassid and Sefer Hasidim. I haven't found this uh, any source for this Savas Rabbi Yehuda Chassid or this uh, Sefer Hasidim that he's referring to. It's uh, not mentioned. I, I couldn't find it anywhere. I believe it doesn't exist. That the the Sefer Hasidim says that uh, if I'm wrong, someone can correct me. That there's such a minig not to destroy any letters. But ironically, in the Hanhogis of the Chassam Sefer. And his family, it's already printed that's a minik some cipher based on Sefer Hasidah, not to destroy any letters, which comes from this Hagdama. This is the source for it. So that, that's the this this Hagdama from Shlem Sai, the source that not to destroy any letters. So because of that, the letters survived. Interestingly enough, he says that there were thousands of them, almost uh, he says that, that many letters came every day, and the many important and interesting letters from very, very he says that, he says my he says my uh, forefathers weren't exactly uh, businessmen or just uh, 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 plain people who, who, who their correspondence would be about just he and ha or just in- insignificant things. Each thing is very important for history. But what happened was is nobody did it. He had a dream to publish his letters. Then he get, became a rov himself and he got involved in Arbat Satoyer. He didn't have a chance to do it. And then what ended up happening was is that the, the letters started, I guess, getting moldy. And the government forced them to bury the letters for public safety. So most of the letters got destroyed. But nevertheless, he had started collecting them. And he, over the years, collected these letters. And he, you see that he didn't just indiscriminately publish anything. He published mostly letters of interest. And uh, from there, he put together the letters of Rikiveger, the Chsam Seifer, namely, and the Kamenshin of Shemesh Seifer, and the Ksav Seifer, a little bit of the Shevet Seifer, and, and others. Okay, do you know, I don't know if you know what year originally... Uh, he he published this when it was uh, put out. It, it's almost exactly a hundred years ago. It was published, I believe, in 1924. I believe it was is the first time it was published. Okay, and and um, so and there was some. I don't know. The new edition is a while back. There was like newer editions to some extent um, done since then. This isn't, but this is the newest. This is like completely uh, kind of redone. How did you, before we get into more of the content, how did you and uh, Mechon Alizayas get involved in redoing this and printing this new edition? So first, I don't believe, um, I don't believe, uh, first of all, I, I want to correct myself. It wasn't 1924, it was 1928 when it was printed the first time. But um, the, the, I don't believe there's ever no edition before. Since 1928, they just kept on uh, doing a facsimile of the original edition. This is the first time it was reset and redone. The way we came to, the, to doing this was there's a fellow, a very, very, very fine fellow. His name is uh, Mr. Ellie Reader. And he wanted to publish something in honor of his daughter's, wed- his daughter's wedding. It's, he, he himself is a, grand, a grandson of the Chsam Seifer, the son of Chsam Seifer. And his. Um, the Chassan also is a descendant of Chassam Seifer. So in honor of the wedding, he wanted to publish something Chassam Seifer related. So he called up a Yid, lives in Barapak, a big time Chacham. His name is Ramosha Shlomyuk. And Moshe Shlomyuk published Oitzroy's Chassam Seifer. Phenomenal work on Chassam Seifer. It's a multi-volume work. It's voracious, Shemois. is and there's already three volumes, tall volumes, and full of content. 
with wonderful notes. And he, he's a world a world class expert in Chassam Seifer. And he called up the Rabbi Shlomiuk and said, "Can you suggest something that I can publish for my daughter's uh, wedding?" So Shlomiuk said, "Yes, I want you to re- re- reissue the Igris Seifer. It hasn't been published in almost 100 years. Uh, reissued." And he referred him to me. And what happened was a joint effort. I, just our Machain, went and reworked the whole Sefer, uh, reset it all, and added a lot of notes and uh, uh, added letters, as I mentioned. And Rabbi Shlomik, on his part, um, went and based on existing notes in his existing Svarim, he, wherever he re- speaks about the Igor Sefer, he provided us with those comments. He also gave us a lot of advice and how to. Uh, work on the Sefer, and his encyclopedic knowledge of Chassam Sefer really helped uh, put the Sefer to another level, especially in the letters of the Chassam Sefer. His notes are to be differentiated. There's three kinds of footnotes in the Sefer. There are the notes that begin with Omer HaSoifer. Omer HaSoifer are the original notes of the Berek Sazrov of Reploim HaSoifer. Those are in bold typeface, and they're always preceded by Omer HaSoifer. Wherever in the original print it didn't say the words Omer HaSoifer, we added those words in brackets, so a person will, because it didn't say the words Amr HaSoyf in the original, I don't know if that means that he had a reason not to do it, or just no mission, or maybe the, he was, he also had help putting it out because he was already older, so maybe well, those weren't his comments, but I added the words Amr HaSoyf, and those are all the, those are his comments. Then there's another kind of footnote, which is the regular typeface, and that is, um, those all those notes are from Rabbi Shlomyuk. And though Rabbi Shlomyuk's notes are always signed with, at the end, it says the words Oitzres Chassam Soifer, which means they are originate from him. Anything which is neither bold, doesn't say Amra Soifer, and doesn't say Oitzres Chassam Soifer, that is Mechayin Ali Zayis' notes. Those are the three kinds of notes you'll find in the Sefer. So it was a joint effort with Rabbi Shlomyuk, and Rabbi Shlomyuk also guided me in many ways using his expertise in the Chassam Soifer. Okay, and we can talk more about what, uh, if there's anything more that the Machon did at the, and we after the discussion about more of the content. Now, something content related, uh, the safe, the letters were not only written in Hebrew. They weren't only published in Hebrew. They were written in other languages as well. German, Yiddish. So, did you just reissue them exactly as they were? What, what did you, how'd you go about editing those? What'd you do about those? Okay, so the ones that were written, some, almost every single letter is written in Hebrew letters. And it's written in a kind of uh, mix between German and, and Yiddish. It's a it's a Yiddish Deutsch. It's basically that, that sort of Kivega wrote in Eger and the Sam Seifer and the Ksav Seifer. They all wrote in such a kind of Yiddish Deutsch, peppered with Hebrew words in the middle, unless they're writing to a Gentile. So then it was written in pure Deutsch, and they're but they're written in Hebrew characters. There's only one letter. From the Chassam Seifer, which is written to the government, that is written in actual German characters. It doesn't. It's, it, 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 now, the interesting feature of the Seifer, which is even though it was published in 1928, there's actually pictures and um, reproduction of le- of actual letters in the Seifer by the, the Berek Sazerov. It's a, it was a novel thing to do in those years to print the Seifer with pictures inside. He did get attacked by the Nimuki or Chaim, the Mukacharov, the Chaim Lazar Shapiro. The did not like the fact that he published pictures of of the, his father and brother and uh, and and grandfather and uncle. Uh, he didn't like that at all. And Rabbi Shlomuk, in one of his notes, defends 
Reb Shlaim Sefer, and he quotes Talmidim Nechsam Sefer to testify that in every house of the Talmidim Nechsam Sefer had a picture of Nechsam Sefer hanging, so they had no problem with pictures. Nechsidim, we know, did have problem with pictures. And he reproduces this letter in German. We have actual picture of the letter, so you can see the handwriting. Nechsam Sefer signed the letter in German, um, Latin, alphabet, but it doesn't seem to me that he wrote it. It seems that someone else wrote it, a professional writer wrote it, and he just signed his name. But other than that, everything is in Hebrew letters. But the phase very often have like a line over it to indicate the different pronunciation based on the German, you know, the von, von, and the, the umlaut is there as well. I tried my best uh, preserving every one of those. It was actually a bit of a challenge, a technical challenge to do that, because Hebrew letters don't usually come with an umlaut on top. And we um, I preserved all of them. Regarding translation of the letters, I have to admit my limitations. I could probably understand 80% of the Yiddish Deutsch based on my family background and based on my interest in it, but I can't claim to be a translator of it. And because of the short amount of time, the Safer, we started working on the Safer pretty much December 1st. Um, the Safer has been already uh, distributed by, uh, right now we're recording in the end of January. So it's basically, it, we're talking about the whole entire uh, production of the Safer from concept until delivery was about six weeks. And part of that time wasn't actually spent working on the content of the Safer, as you understand, there's a technical aspect of layout and, and printing. So there was basically four weeks for us to work on the content. So because of our limitation, I had to um, give up on translating. I, I would have liked, and I might still do it in a later edition, go back and translate all the ger German Yiddish. But right now, it's just in the, the German is there, whoever understands it. And if you don't understand it, it's you're just not original. There's no translation. Okay, right. And umlaut is the, the two dots. You have the O and the U and various letters in uh, German. Um, and also, interestingly, that letter, I remember seeing that in the old edition. That was the letter that I don't know somehow I came across the one in, written in the German. It's just a like beautiful handwriting. And the Chlamsever's handwriting wasn't that neat. So it's, I guess it makes sense. Maybe it wasn't him. Also, it signed, um, I think, Moses Schreiber. Interestingly, didn't shine at uh, Cypher, that letter, which always, I remember that that, that struck me. Uh, you mentioned also the pictures. So something that's just interesting, right in the beginning, you have Igris Cypher, you, you have the picture of, uh, you have the picture of Rabbi Shlomo Cypher, the Maisel R, and it's Tzuras Haraf HaGoyin, and he has the whole thing of Shlomo Cypher, the picture of himself, and he has this whole regal rabbinic look, but he put it, and he was the publisher, he put a picture of himself, which is a little uh, interesting, as well as the pictures of many, uh, and, and in a bad way, it's just interesting to me that he put it in, like I said, it was a novel concept, and he put a picture of himself in here, and there's a picture of a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pictures in here, so you kept those all in here, uh, which is very nice, that they're uh, still inside of the safer. Okay, so I think you mentioned this, that each, it's broken up by section, and you made that even more defined now in the new edition, that you have the Kvager, and then you have the. I'll let you talk about how, how it's split up. You know, the Rabbi Shlaim Eger, the Chsam Seifer, the Chsam Seifer, the Chsav Seifer, the Shevet Seifer, the Mikhtar Seifer, the Chsam Seifer. You have all, all, each one by section. So um, we can start off with Rabbi Kvager, and we should give some uh, some samples. Obviously, there are many letters here, but there's a lot to talk about. It's really a fascinating work for anyone to read um, with just. History and Rabbanim talking to each other, halacha, halacha, Torah. There's a lot of different things in here, so we can start with the Eger. And um, I don't know if you have any specific. You want to start with specific letters that jump out to you, or I can pick a couple and we can uh, talk about them. Whichever one I can choose, you can choose. Whichever you prefer. Uh, so you can go ahead. So we'll we'll I, 
you can start off. I know there's some uh, some interesting letters in here. Um, there's ones about his family. There's ones about uh, maybe we actually just start off with one that's very interesting about his um, connection to Rabbanus, to being uh, a rov. I think that's something that's interesting for people probably to hear about. As you mentioned, Kivager was the rov and poser. So there's a fascinating letter. There's a letter where he wrote to a friend of his where he's basically begging his friend to help him get a job as just a um, a malamed, just a tutor, a private tutor, where he doesn't have to be a rov. And he says very strong language. He writes, me I always hated rabbonus. This is a mikhtav test in the section of Rikveig's letters. But you see, by he hated being like uh, uh, lording over other people. And he repeats, he reiterates this a few times that how, he, how much he was the, re, repulsed by having to lord over other people. And he says, although I, ha- I did some great things in being a Rav, he says, Those are my monetary assets. The interesting about Rikveig's monetary assets is a letter later on which he writes to his mechutin. Rekivek had a son-in-law, which we should mention a little more about him later also. He had a son-in-law whose name was Shmuel Birnbaum, not to be confused with the late Rosh Hashiv of Mir. Either Shmuel Birnbaum was the Maishichoshiv on the Shar Melech, and also this Chuvas Rochash Leibov from him, a great Talmud Chacham. And he was Rekivek, another son-in-law of Rekhim. So he was a son-in-law, he was also a son-in-law, a younger son-in-law of Rekivek. And Rekivek, um, it seems like in the beginning of, his, of Shmuel's marriage, Rekivek was supporting him. And he was living off Rabbi Kivager. It came a point in time in uh, 1837 that Rabbi Kivager could not anymore support his son-in-law. And the son-in-law, Rabbi Shmuel Birnbaum, his, had a father whose name was Rabbi David Birnbaum, who was actually very wealthy. And Rabbi Kivager is writing a very, it's a very sticky and very uh, uh, not easy letter to write to you, Mechutin saying pretty much, I can't support your son anymore, but we wanted to continue sitting and learning. And uh, could you please support it? So Rikivega writes over there, he says, um, I know that you were told when we did the Shidduch that I'm a rich man. So he says, Yadati, Shema'oz Baruch Oisi Bekol Gadol. He's referring to Lashon Gemara, that a person like, People praised me, Shani Oshir, that I'm very wealthy. So Rikivega says, If only it were so, of course I would support my son in law, because he's, he's mamish like my son. But he says it's not true. And he said that um, people who told you that I'm wealthy were lying and they did it against my will. I did not want them to fool you. He says, So you were misinformed that your machut is a wealthy man. He says, I'm not. And then he goes on and lists exactly what he's worth. He says, Your son knows everything about me. He knows all my secrets. I don't have a lot of assets. All I have is, We know Rabbi Kivek has a, had a very good library. He quotes a lot of Svarim. I have Klikesev. I have a little bit of silver. And both of them just... Both of them, that I, those things that I have are just remnants of my younger years when I was wealthy. And everything else that I have adds up to exactly tough ruble, uh, 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 rubles, and that's it. And then he said, uh, uh, not rubles, and he says, and that I need to marry off my daughter, and I have another two sons to marry off, and that's all I have. 
Therefore, he asks his mechutin to please support their son. Rab Shlomo Seifer, the Berks Hazarov, has, <laughs> has an interesting footnote over here. He writes in his footnote, he says that this mechutin, Rab David uh, Siegel Birnbaum, he says that Teva was a kamsan. He was very uh, stingy by nature. So you see, Kivega is really trying to get and support the son. And he, he says, and he says that uh, he heard this from Rab Shimon Seifer, the crook of a roof of Shimon Seifer, told his nephew, the Barak Sazarov, the Prime Cipher, that this father of uh, Shmuel Burman was very stingy. And he says, when a poor person would come to ask for tzedakah, he would scream and hold on to his payas and get very, very enraged. Why are you asking me for my money? Then he would overcome his, uh, his Yetzirah, and he would then go and take a bag of money and give it to the poor man and say, take whatever you want, and he wouldn't hold them back. And he said, that's a great midah based on Sifri Musr, that a person who has a Bad nature, so to say, can overcome that nature. That's what he mentions over there. This is a mikht of Samach Aleph in the continuation of Kivega's letters. One wonders why he chose to put this note about him being stingy exactly on this uh, letter where Kivega is asking him to support his son. But that might have been his sense of humor. And um, so, so the Kivega there lists what he has. He has svarim. He has a little bit of gold and silver. But he does allude to the fact that he was wealthy when he was younger. So returning to letter mikht of Tess, about his rabbonus, he says, I hated the rabbonus. He says, I did have some accomplishments in my rabbonus, which, and those are the, the Kaspi Vizahavi, which I have. But then he says, but why do I have to ha- make so much money? He says, Who says our family has to be so well-dressed that I have to make such a great income and be a rob? Why can't we dress like everybody else that just has bread to eat and, dre- and dresses in very uh, low-class clothes? Why shouldn't that be good enough for, for, for me? And then he says, But they helped me back from just giving up the rabbonus and giving up this great salary. And not a great salary, giving up the salary. Again, an allusion to the fact that they once were better off. He says they can't change their habits. Their habits was they live nicely, and he can't give it up. Later on, he says his wife was and she got her to agree to make do with less and live off a smaller thing. But then he says the family came and convinced his wife. And we saw, I mentioned the other letter where his brother also convinces, as his mother came and convinced that they should not give up the Rabbonus and he shouldn't rely on the offer that he was given to be a private tutor. And therefore he stayed in Rabbonus. So Kivega had this tug of war. We see throughout the letters, on one hand, he hated Rabbonus. He says it again and again, the Lord over people was against his nature. We know Kivega was great on of. On the other hand, there was this, pull from the family to make Parnassa, and there's also a, there was a pull from the prestige and the honor of the Chassam Seifer and all that to be the Rav. And, but really what made him decide, and Nicht of Yud Aleph, he says, says all that he was, he would have gotten his wife to give in and he would have lit, made do with less. But what really tipped the scale was that he realized that becoming the Rav of Posen will have a great impact on the Yiddishkeit in that area. And that's really what made him decide to to, to do it. He's a letter, that, that same letter I mentioned before to his brother, he says, uh, it's also in in, the, in German, Yiddish, I'll read it. He says, um, I got your letter, and this, that my brother recommends us take the Kisei Posen, that the Rabbanon Posen, for my sons and daughters and for the honor of the family, the honor of my son-in-law, Based on that, uh, uh, these reasons, I don't find a reason for me to move myself over. 
was soll das Te'ele sein, Levniu Benoisai? What will be the Te'ele of my son and my daughters? Wegen Shiduchim? Das soll nicht heißen, the Pose and the Ruv, that I'm called the Pose and the Rub, that's how I should become a Rub, because they, they should have a better, many people take positions to become, he says, that's not the reason he did it. Well, I made him decide to do it really. And he says, anyway, I did great Shiduchim. Otherwise, just the other week, I got letters from Vilna and Minsk. Everyone wants to be Mishadach with me, so I don't need the Rabbonus for Shiduchim. And he says, and I mentioned before, for my son in law's honor also is not important, but he says, I decided to take on the Rabbonus, and we know the reason why to fight the, to fight the reform. McVeigh realized that if he doesn't take this Rabbanus, he won't be as influential, and he used his position as Rabbanus to vehemently fight against reform and the Ascala. That's really what tipped the scales, despite the not wanting to be the Rav. Okay, so let's do some other letters, and, and I'll just say this now at once, the disclaimer, we're just jumping around, different things that are interesting, jumped out to me, jumped out to you. There's a lot more here. Some people won't find this interesting. Some people other things interesting. There's really a wealth of just a, it's a treasure trove, really, of information. And just this kind of, um, you get this kind of uh, intimate picture. You really see their letters that they were sending to each other. Okay, so uh, a couple other, he has a couple letters about Kameis. Very interesting uh, letters that he was writing, uh, kind of requesting Kameis. So, so the, the two letters about Kameis, it's Yudkim on Yudalid. Um, and he, he wrote a letter to someone of Yisrael, Yoyna. He was the, the, the author of the Mo'in HaBrochis. And Rabbi Kiveger is asking him for a, he says, I, I wasn't supposed to tell anybody that you, ha- that you have this ability to give, make Kameyas, but it's very important. And it's a, there's a blocker who really needs it very badly. And you probably won't be upset that I know about it. And he asked him to please send him a Kameya. Rabbi Shloim Sofer, the Barak Sazarov, uh, you know, doesn't leave the, the reader with the impression that Rabbi Kiveger needed someone else to make a Kameya for him. And then there's another letter to the same person in uh, a few years later, he wrote uh, three years later, also a Kamea for a woman who is uh, uh, somebody, Mindel Bas Esther, who she became a Tushteshas Vedas. We'll see, I'll revisit that soon, that these Kameas are very often used to people who like, like lost their mind. So the uh, Kamea was believed to go and fix that. Sir Kiveger is asking him for a Kamea. So Shlomo Seifer says, you would think my grandfather himself couldn't make a Kamea? He says, no way. But Miroy van Vesenusoy, he didn't want to have to do anything that that someone else can do it already. If this if this Yisrael Yoyna was known to make kameis, why should Kivega have to make a command? As why reinvent the wheel? Why rediscover America? But really, of course, Kivega can make could, could do uh, make kameis. And to demonstrate the point, he makes a bit of a ra- random comment, but interesting nevertheless. He says that I heard from Rameir Don Platsky, that's the Klichemda, that he heard from the. Abraham Berenstein, the Sachachover, which is the, Av, the Igletal, the Avinezer, he says that once Rabbi Chaim Volozhner had a very difficult question. And this is, again, this is all, this whole story is being brought down the notes from Shlomo Seifer to prove Rabbi Kivega's great, uh, greatness and that he didn't have to come on to Kameya from somebody else. And he says that Rabbi Kivega, when he was a, um, Rabbi Chaim Volozhner had a very difficult question regarding an Aguna. And he had somebody who he, who was going to Konigsberg to the market to the market the market the, they had they had, had, had a market time, and he told him that, that you're going to be passing by Rabbi Kiveger's town, so go into the city to Rabbi Kiveger, give him the question. It's a very difficult question. You'll spend a few weeks of a mark in Konigsberg, and in the meantime, the in the meantime, Rabbi Kiveger will have time to work out the shaila, and on your way back. As you return, you'll pick up his tshuva. So this person comes to Kainigs, comes to Kiveger and tells him, I have this kuntras from Reb Chaim Volozhin regarding an Aguna question. Uh, Reb Chaim Volozhin requested that you look into the Shaila and um, you know you can work on it while I go to 
Konigsberg. I'll be back in a few weeks to pick up your answer, and I'll take it to Reb Chaim Velozhina. So Reb Kivega says, when are you returning? To, when are you going to leave Posen to go to Konigsberg? So he said, I'm going to leave tomorrow morning. So Reb Kivega says, why do you have to come back again? Come back tomorrow morning. And the next morning, Reb Kivega handed him the tshuva. And this person took it back to Reb Chaim Velozhin a few weeks later when he returned from the Konigsberg uh, marketplace. And Reb Chaim Velozhin looked at the date, and he noticed that the date was dated before, uh, right in the beginning of the trip. So he figured Rabbi Kiva Eger must have started writing the tshuva right when he got the shaila, and he worked on it all those weeks, and he completed it when the person came to pick it up on the way back. So to double-check, he asked the shliach, he says, just tell me what exactly happened. So the shliach told him, I came to the town, and the next morning Rabbi Kiva Eger handed me the tshuva. And Rabbi Chaim Velozhin could not believe it, that Rabbi Kiva was something that he had himself worked on so long, he was able to, in one night, Rabbi Kiva was able to answer such an in-depth question in such a, in such a great way. So Reb Chaim said, look, you're only an Eid Echot. This is all the Berek Sazerov speaking. You, if I had another witness that can testify this is actually what happened, I would myself go from city to city, and I would publicize that the level of Rabbi Kivager is even greater than the level of my Rebbe, the Groa Vilna. Right? So he says that, do you think somebody like that needs to, may have someone else make a Kameya for him? This is what the, the Shreem Sofer says. What's interesting is, there was a famous story that there was a Dentaria once, who's the god Lador, Rabbi Kivager, Rabbi Chaim Velazhin. And the story goes, the way they say in Yeshiva, is that the Bezden Paskin that was Rabbi Chaim Velazhin, who was the god Lador, and not Rabbi Kivager. But another note I, to this story, I, I was going to look it up before we did the before we did the, the, the podcast, but I, I didn't have a chance to look it up yet. You can look it up yourself. I I, I, I believe my memory serves me right. In Chutam Meshulish, not the Chutam Meshulish from the Barak Sazerov about the biography of the Cyphers, the Chutam Meshulish Chuvas of Rabbi of the Chsams, of, of Rabbi Chaim Velazhner and his family, Rabbi Fried and the Eliezer Fried. In the Chutam Meshulish, the Velazhner Chutam Meshulish, there's a Chuva which gives the appearance as if Rabbi Kivager was was asking Rabbi Chaim Velazhner a Shaila. And there's a note over there where the Velazhner family writes that the, to, to correct the record. He says that the Agers are very upset that it was published in a way that gave the impression as if Rabbi Kivega asked Rabbi Chaim Velazhiner Shailah. He says that never happened. What happened was that Rabbi Chaim Velazhiner asked Rabbi Kivega the Shailah, and Rabbi Kivega responded to him. So the letter was written to Rabbi Kivega, not as a tshuva to Rabbi Kivega, but actually more as the Shailah that was presented to Rabbi Kivega. And it was wrong for them to present as if it was the other way around, that Rabbi Kivega had to come on to Rabbi Chaim Velazhiner. This is actually corroborates that story. You have to check if the exact same Shaila, but in this note and letter you'll give over here from Shlomo Seifer, he says that's exactly what happened. That Rabbi Chaim Velazhner sent a kuntras to Rabbi Kiveger, wanting to hear Rabbi Kiveger's opinion on the matter. Also about Kameis, he asked about Kameis, is even something more fascinating. In the section of Rabbi Shimon Seifer, the Kruk of Aruv, the Rabbi Shimon Seifer uh, has, writes a letter to somebody, and this is interesting, this has a lot to do with our uh, edition over here. He has a letter, it's Mikhtav Lamed, in the Shimon Seifer letters, and um, in that Mikhtav, it's interesting to even see the title of the letter. The title of the letter reads that it was which means it's a letter that Shimon Seifer, the Kruk of Erov, wrote that, uh, that he got from a sick person, for a sick person, and it's a kameya that he received as a tradition from his father, Mifnach Sam Seifer, who had a tradition of how to write this kameya from his Rebbe, Rab Nassan Adler. But if you look in our edition, you'll see something interesting. The letter reads, Shalom of Rocha, Libni Hanechbod. And the word Hanechbod, the word Bni 
is in brackets. That's because in the original Igra Seifer, they didn't say Bani. Rabbi Shlomo Seifer edited out the word Bani, and he edited out also that the, that the wife that was written to was Kalasi, his, his daughter-in-law. And that's because it was um, the letter, it's a very sensitive thing because the letter that this Kamei was meant to help people who are deranged, or, 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 or that they're they're not they're not um, they're not healthy uh, uh, emotionally or mentally, and that's what it was. That was the purpose of this Kamei. So, being that it, this was his first cousin, he wanted to protect his privacy. So, you know, it's not that private because it says it says his name is Yisrael David Simcha. How many people have the name Yisrael David Simcha? And his wife's name is Leah Bastoiva. I don't know how many people go by how many Yisrael David Simcha are married to Leah Greiner Rachel Bastoiva, but uh, he took out the word Bni and Kalasi and all that. The reason I put it back in was because Kvarnoi Dadovar, and I, I point this out in a footnote over there, in the Sefer Derech HaNesher, this letter appears, and there it has it with the Bni and the Kalasi and all that. The same thing at the end, it ends off of Vichol, but Mekem. So we see that there are the word Kameas and the Igrei Seifrim family. We have Rabbi Kiveger looking for Kamea, and we have a Kamea that the Muslim Adler uh, gave over a tradition to some cipher had a right. Some cipher gave over that tradition to the Shimon cipher, and Shimon cipher actually suggested that his own son that he should use it for his wife, who um, became uh, emotionally unwell. Because he answered that, I was going to ask you, where? How did you know it edited? He's saying it was in another cipher, so you saw that and you took that, and you were able to correct that. Uh, a couple other uh, interesting letters from Kiveger. He has things about um, teaching, teaching, teaching kids, schools, what they should be. Uh, Learning. The main thing is that they should be learning Gemara. Yeah, so this is obviously very current today with all that's going on in New York and everything. Um, so there's also government involvement then and uh, masculine wanting to change the curriculum. And Kivegas fights vehemently against that, of course, and how important that the main limit of children should be only um, Gemara and nothing else. There is an interesting comment in one list, two letters about it. One letter he talks about generally um, that they should only learn Gemara, and if they're only going to learn other subjects and learn Gemara in the afternoon, they'll be tired out and they won't be able to focus and really know Gemara. But in another letter, Rabbi Kiva Eger does mention that the government requires an hour or two, I believe, of instruction for in secular topic subjects. And Rabbi Kiva Eger seems to look at that positively. Now, one could argue that, he, you know, people, whatever, there's these kinds of comments, they say, oh, he just put it because of the government. And it was a private correspondence. I don't know why he would have to put in a line like that if he doesn't really believe it. But you never know. Maybe there was censorship in the Met. You know, people can say whatever they want. But my feeling is that Kivega did look positively on children learning an hour or two, meaning things they have to know, how to write and read, and uh, basic, basic things like that. Again, if my memory serves me correct, I didn't have a chance to look up all my sources, but there in Likute Chavar Ben Chaim, I believe, you can look this up, I believe it's mentioned one place that the Chassam Seifer also hired tutors to teach his children how to, uh, some German for an hour or two a day. Again, not, not a full day, Chas Shalom, an hour or two a day to teach them a little bit uh, secular su- t- t- topics. That was uh, something that he did look at positively. But in general, it was... Um, it was something that, of course, he frowned upon, that that should be the main limud. And there's a few such letters, at least two such letters, where Rebbe Kivega says they should only learn Dvarim uh, Shepard uh, and specifically Gemara. There's an interesting letter, from, going back to Shimon Seifer again, there's a letter from Shimon Seifer where he where he mocks the rabbinical seminaries that were opening up at the time by the reform-leaning groups. 
And he says that in order to get into the seminary, you, you, you have to know like a, a little bit Chumash and Rashi, and you have to know a little bit, uh, a little just how to read like a Gemara with, with some Rashi and an easy Taisvis. And he says these people even come Rabbanim, and they have a curriculum over six years that learn all kinds of Lamudi Chayil. And then when they graduate, they will know all the Chachmas Ha'olam and Kavli Yerushalmi and Rav Shimon and Rav Shimon Seifer laughs at it. He says, "How could it, coming in?" They are even more ignorant than our nine-year-old children. It sounds like Shimon's expectation of a nine-year-old child was to know Chumash Rashi and Gemara and some easy Taisus. Every nine-year-old child knows that. And they haven't, and that's all they expect from the Talmud being accepted in the seminary at a, at a mature age. And six years later, while studying all other topics, they'll become a Baki Bishas, which he says, and even the greatest yeshivas, there are very few that are Baki Bishas. He says, even the yeshivas of the Noit of Yehuda, of the Hafla, and and um, I believe he mentions the Yaris Devash, those three yeshivas I believe he mentions. I don't have it open in front of me right now. He said even those yeshivas, I he doesn't think that there was uh, that that most a, a lot of people knew all of Shas. And yet that's something that they say that they're Talmudim know all Shas. So there's a few interesting things here. First of all, you see Rabbi Shimon Seifer's expectation of a nine-year-old child to be able to learn Gemara, Rashi, and some Taisvis. That's for a nine-year-old child. You also see from this letter um, that uh, he didn't expect even the greatest Talmudim, the greatest yeshivas, that they should know all of Shas. So Baki Bishas wasn't exactly the expectation of a, a Talmud of the Behuda's yeshiva or the Hafla's yeshiva. That's also uh, interesting. It doesn't mention his father's yeshiva. It just mentions the other yeshivas. And um, we also see from over here that while Rabbi Kivager was very concerned with children learning primarily Gemara, and that should be the main limud, and in the morning, it seems there was some tolerance by the Chassam Seifer and Rabbi Kivager to learn an hour or two of instruction in general ta- general subjects. Okay, you mentioned Likudi Chavar Ben Chaim, Chizkiya Fivel Plout, I believe, uh, Talmud of the Chassam Seifer. says an uh, interesting farm and a lot of, a bunch of different uh, inyanim. I think only Alatayra somebody redid. I don't think the rest of the set was ever redone. Um, okay, so there's obviously, I say obviously, because this is actually pretty obvious now, the famous letters of Kvegor about cholera, I don't think we need to beat a dead horse at this point, and people can read them, and I'm sure everyone with, with COVID, everybody heard these letters, these were kind of famous letters. Now there is uh, some letters about the Machlekes, about uh, Salvita Shas, listeners may be familiar with that, maybe not familiar with that, if you want to... Talk about that one, and then there's some uh, some other some other. There's a letter of Rabbi Kviger of his Shtar uh, Mechira for Pesach. They they have the actual Shtar Mechira. There's some uh, some other. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about either of those letters. So I'll just we just should move on because Rabbi Kviger is not even a, a, a fifth of the safer, so we should move on. But just quickly, I'll say the Machlekes, the famous it, it, the, the title of the letter is Letter Mem Gimel is being a Machlekes HaYidua Binyan Atfasas Hashas Labito. It's well known that Rabbi Kviger took the side of the Vilna Shas, not the Slavita Shas, and the Chassidim, who were involved in the Slavita Shas, uh, from the Pechus Karitz's family, were very upset at Rabbi Kiveger for that, and especially Rabbi Shloyme Eger. There's even a, a, a letter, I should mention something, by the important I should mention this. Um, I want to mention that we published the Igre Seifer, that's what we published, but the Rabbi Kiveger's letters in particular, there's another Seifer that was published by called Igrois Rabbi Kiva Eger. That's a safer that's that was published. It incorporates in it all these almost all these letters from the Igra Seifer and many more letters that they published, and they had a full volume, Igrois Rabbi Kiva Eger. There's a, that's a full volume that they put out. So 
the letters here, these are not, it's, it's not a comprehensive uh, collection of all of Ricky Vega's letters. Those, those appear in the Icarus of Ricky Vega, um, basically. Uh, these are the letters that Shlomo Seifer chose to print, and plus we added a few at the end. Uh, it is no, no, notable to point out, I, I should have mentioned that before, that the in the back of the Das, I mentioned this in the Mavoy, to the cipher in the back of the Igros Rabbi Kivager, the Das Machain Das cipher put out, they have a list of uh, pretty much a uh, index of how to find all the Igros cipher letters that are in Igros cipher where they appear in the Das cipher uh, edition of Igros Rabbi Kivager. What they do mention that all the letters from Rabbi Shlaim Eger are not connected to the safe because Igros they published Igros Rabbi Kivager, and that's another reason why I put a special focus on Shlaim Eger because they didn't because in Igros Rabbi Kivager you're not going to find that you're only going to find an hour edition in the Igros cipher. But this letter I'm going to mention to you is brought down in the Oitzer some cipher footnotes. That's from Shlaimik's footnote, and it uh, appears in letter Mem Gimel Oitz Tess. So there's a, over there, and this is uh, I, I can't say I don't know how famous it is. I remember my eleventh grade Rebbe mentioned it, so it's, it's somewhat famous. So it says. Um, that Rabbi Kivega was very upset. He says, I'm so angry at the nerve, the chutzpah of the printers of Slavita that they spoke not just against my son, that my son went and like uh, altered my thinking. They also spoke against me that um, I can do things against the din and I could ask him things that without hearing both sides of the argument. And he says um, that uh, they make me into a liar. And he says that uh, um, all, all that they say is not true. And he's um, very, very, he speaks very, very strongly against. He says, I'm not Michael them at all. I myself am not upset at them personally. The Bizayan Torah that came out from right talking like that about a great rabbi like Rabbi Kivakas himself, I cannot be Michael that. And uh, that's the letter that Rabbi Kivega writes about this. And this was a big machlokes that that raged at the time. And Rabbi Kivega was inside the, of the of the Vilna Shas, and this caused a lot of tension. Especially Rabbi Shlomo Eger was great. The, the Snagid, as well known, and his uh, the Midah Kvegamida was a son became a Hasidish Rebbe, a Blayblager. But uh, that was a, a big thing. And there's, and there's a lot we have a lot of that here as well. Um, another thing you mentioned uh, was the Shtar Mechira. So the Shtar Mechira is not the traditional Shtar Mechira that you have uh, selling the Chomets to the non-Jew uh, before Pesach. It's a little more complex than that. It's like selling, it's more like a business kind of, which would be very relevant today. A lot of discussion today about, the, I think even had a podcast about it, about um, selling your business for Shabbos and for Pesach purposes. And this is actually what the springboard of why the Munkat Shorov and Mukhi Arachayim it, 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 it takes to say for the task because he questions whether this we can rely on this hetter, not rely on this hetter, Rabbi Kivager. And that's where in Semen Reish Mem Gimel, in the Mukhi Arachayim, he talk, discusses whether it's a good hetter or not. He says, and he also talks, once he discusses it over there, he talks about the pictures which he doesn't like and some other things that really um, uh, he didn't like. For example, there's a letter in the Sefer where the Chsam Sefer um, talks very strongly and gives very rebukes uh, and chastises the Rabbi Azak Kaliver very very strongly because of those some Seifer gave a hetraguna and Rabbi Azak Kaliver went against it and some Seifer was very very sharp in his rebuke of Isaac Kaliver and the, and the, the Munkatrov is very upset that it was published and also he's upset over there at a letter that Shlomo Eger was published from Shlomo Eger Shlomo Eger writes a letter to some Seifer. 
which is right after the Kvega was Nifter. I mentioned it before because Andy mentions the family of, of uh, Rabbi Kvega. The letter begins that it seems like the Chassam Seifer was upset at Shlom Eger for not notifying him about Rabbi Kvega being Nifter. His prayer was Nifter, and nobody told the Chassam Seifer about it. And Rabbi Shlom Eger, uh, it seems like people were talking at the time that the reason was because the Shlom Eger wanted not didn't want to share the Yerusha, the Rabbi Kivega's Yerusha together to, with the Chassam Seifer. So the, the Munkash Rav is infuriated by that. He says the Chassam Seifer was demanding Yerusha Sabas. Uh, of course, the Allah is that only the sons Yarshan. Why would the Chassam Seifer was married to the daughter of Rabbi Kivega? Why would he even think they should get a part in Yerusha at all? And but uh, so therefore, the Munkash Rav is very upset at many of the letters published over here. He says a terrible Sefer, and he writes very strongly against it. I wanted to put in footnotes in the Sefer and refer to the different arguments that the Munkash Rav has against the Sefer and respond to some of them, or at least people should know the discussion. Rav Moshe Shlomik advised me not to do that. He said we're publishing the Sefer of Shlomik, the Berk Sazarov, a big Talmud and he didn't think it's appropriate to bring in uh, dissenting views in the Sefer. But I guess for the podcast, it is okay to mention these different arguments that, that are against the Sefer. And um, regarding the Yerusha, there, I think it's very clear. And I, I, I think I, I don't know if I ended up leaving a comment there or not because I had it in, and then Rabbi Shlomik told me to take it out. But this, uh, it's very clear that Rosham Seifer that was not in any way insinuating that he wanted part of the Yerusha. It was just about people's rumors and talking that Rosham Eger was referring to. Rosham Eger says the reason I didn't notify you is because when I was very young, I took upon myself never to be the bearer of bad news. And I will never say out of my mouth or deliver bad news to anyone, so I didn't want to be the one to tell tell you about the death of Rabbi Kivager. Regarding the Petir Rabbi Kivager, there's two other very fascinating things in the safe over here. One of them is Rabbi Shlomit, Rabbi Kivager was left to write before Sukkis. Rabbi Shlomit Eger writes to his brother of Avram that over Sukkis he held himself back from Avelus, as is Dalacha, a person should not be uh, in a situation of Avelus on Yom Tiv. And he says, but now, but now that it's after um, after Sukkis, and I let it, I let myself delve on the great loss of losing my father. He gives such a uh, vivid uh, picture of his emotional anguish of losing his father. It's something worth reading. Unbelievable how he expresses his feelings so strongly. He says, um, he, he says. Uh, Covered the lie Richas Michtov that is a letter Nunches from Shlomo Eger to his brother. He says, um, it, uh, I'm writing this letter, I'm very weak. He says, It means to say that during Yom Tov, he don't want to bring out the Avelus. The fact that he, I suppressed, this is very modern thinking about emotions. The fact that I suppressed my emotions over Yom Tiv makes it hurt even more now that I have, because I have to suppress it over the Yom Tiv. He says, he says, he says, I feel like I have a, a fresh uh, wound and it's like dripping out the blood and the very vivid description of how his emotions are, how sad he is about the loss of his father. Another interesting thing, which is important, is that Rabbi Kivega left in a tavo. He wrote in his tavo not to be masped him. There should be no hespedim on after he died. So Rabbi Shlomo Eger didn't know what to do. Should he listen to the tavo of his father or not? There's a famous question when a god ladar dies, and he says not that they recently had it now, where a five-old cone was nifter. He left the tavo not to be masped him, and the cones, the way they, um, you know, they follow the straight meaning uh, letter of the law. 
So, which was the, the spirit of Raphael Cohen, no monkey business. There was actually not a word of Hespid and no, no, you know, like no uh, backdoor Hespid. Then there was no Hespid by Raphael Cohen's Levaya. But by Rabbi Kiveger, there was a question should there be a Spadim, should not be a Spadim? And Rabbi Shlomo Eger writes his brother Rav Ram, if in order for me to decide, I want to see the exact wording of our father's Savoy, how he wrote it. And he also wanted him to send him Svarim. Which discussed it because in the Chuva Mahava mentions that the Night of Yehuda was Masmed the Pnei Yeshua, even though he said not to be Masmed him. He also mentioned the famous Chuva's Beis Yankiv. And I refer to, of course, the Ali Zayis edition, Simon Pei Gimel, that we published, that the, uh, it talks about this question of whether or not there should be, um, there should be, you want to give a statement when a god Lahador is Nifter. So that's very interesting regarding the the Pira of Kivager. Uh, one other letter from Shloim Eger that's interesting. He has a letter with a lot of different things. He's traveling to Altona and to London, and he's with Archaner, and then he gets involved with the Nelson Adler and the mother's birthday party, 80th birthday party. Some very interesting things going on over there. That, 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 okay, I'll just a little bit quickly because that's something that we really have to move on to other parts of it. I'm not the, I'm not doing the interviewing here, but we're I think uh, I believe it's going to be a few hour podcast if we get stuck on Eger. But this is a fascinating letter. Shloim Eger traveled. To uh, to Altena to see the Arachaner to discuss with him how to go about fighting the reform, and he was a bit disappointed with the encounter. It was going on in Germany at the time that even the reform they weren't trying to change so much. At least in those places where he was going, they weren't trying to change the actual institutions of the Kehila, and the, the Arachaner felt that if he's going to go and start fighting with the reform, he's they're going to lose the infrastructure of the Kehilas, and he felt that it's worth holding on. You know, davening was the same davening still, and the, the Besach Kfaris and the Shrita, everything was still going on the same, so why rock the boat? That was the attitude of the Archlaner. And the Shlom Eger writes, there's, there's something to it. I, I, I hear that argument, but still, he was disappointed. And his next stop after meeting the Archlaner, he was going to go from Altona to London to see the Second Rabbasan Adler, the Baal Nassim Nalger, he was going to go see him and talk to him also about the same topic. And he says he was about to travel all the way from Altona to London, but he was told you don't have to travel so far because Rabbasan Adler is back in his hometown, Hanover, which is very close by to Altona. And you can go meet him over there. The reason why he was there was because his mother, Rabbasan Adler's mother, was celebrating her 80th birthday. So Rabbasan Adler came back to his hometown and he says the whole entire town was celebrating the, the birthday. And he, it seems like that the Shlomo Eger joined those festivities as well. And then he, after that was all over, he was able to talk to the, the, the Nassina Lager, they talk to the Rabnas Nadler about how to fight against the reform. And But in the middle of the conversation, the news came that a there was a blood libel in Damascus, famous blood libel in Damascus. It was the second one, actually. It wasn't the, the first one. It was more famous. This was the second one that came. The news came in. There's blood libel in Damascus, and the national guy got distracted with it, so he never really ended finishing his conversation. But that was just an interesting thing that there was if people looking always for sources for birthday parties. So you have over here an Igris Seifrim, the letter of Shlomo Seifrim, Igris Samach, where Shlomo Eger reports having attended a birthday party of the mother of a Rav. I agree with you that we have to move on from Rabbi Kinegar, but there's just so much fascinating material. Uh, find one more, one more that we should discuss is when Rabbi Kinegar was in Vilna, there's a letter that the community begged him to please become the Rav of Vilna. Okay, so just for accuracy's sake, accuracy sake, it's in Igeris, uh, 
Samach Gimel in the letters from Rikiv Beger. And it wasn't, he never quite got to Vilna, but he was in the city of Vishkava, which was somewhere nearby, and he was there for a family Simcha. And they sent him a letter to invite him to become the Rav of their town, and that was of the city of Vilna. That's in Igeris Samach Gimel. In, in the note, I point out over there that this the timing of this letter, the background of the letter was Rav Abelah of Vilna was just Nifter. Rav Abelah of Pasavala was just Nifter. And now that they lost Rav Abelah of Vilna, so they needed a new, a new leader. So they, they turned to Rav Kivega to become the Rav of the city. Rav Kivega declined, probably because he was old already and it was too difficult for him to take on something like that. And he did decline in the end. But there is a famous legend, I would say, that Rabbi Kivager's response was, I am not worthy of being a, even a shamash and a shul in Vilna. That was his response. The source of that legend, I point this out in a footnote, is from the city, from the sefer called Ir Vilna. Um, and over there, it's the exact quote is as follows. The elders of Vilna uh, relate, when the Leaders of Vilna came to Kivega with the Ksavra bonus, and um, they even indicated, which I, I don't see exactly in this letter, maybe I missed it, where this indicate this part, the accuracy of this part, they tried to tell Kivega that if you take the Rabbonus, your son Rabbi Shlomo will take over afterwards. And Rabbi Kivega um, said, Novo, kihilas Vilna haktanim. And it's, it's good enough for me to be from a small. Uh, 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 you know, workers in the Kehila, and I think in the common quote, this part is omitted that he wasn't saying, I'm not worthy, everyone in Vilna is greater than I am. Rekvega was no fool. He said, After of Avila, to be like to, to take over of Avila, that I'm not worthy of. And that was appropriate anova, but a bit not over the top the way I think it's usually taken. That's that's interesting. And uh, it's interesting also that in our work in the Galia Masechta, in the Chelek, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a supplement to the Sefer called Gezat Hashishim. Over there, there is a Hespedim on Shloisha Gedoli Yisrael, the in the same year. And those three are of Abu Levilna, the Galia Masechta, and of the Kivega. They were Nifter basically within a year of each other. And that's the, that's the, this is right before the Kivega was Nifter. And that's probably why he didn't take on the Rabbanus. But there's a fascinating letter here where they write to him how they got to know him and how much they would want him to be the leader of the Kehillah. And they promise they won't bother him, they'll let him sit and learn, and only the, oh, the most difficult questions will be, he'll be asked, and that they're not, not going to have to get involved in every petty question of the Kehillah. Okay, now we can move on to the Chassam Sefer. So you mentioned that they're about the same age, Rikvega and the Chassam Sefer, but I don't know if we mentioned the years. Uh, I think Rikvega was 1761, 1837, and the Chassam Sefer was 1762, 1839. It's around the same time. Generally, we're, we're talking about 19th century, early 19th century, just to give listeners some sort of idea. Okay. So the, a lot, a lot. The Chassam Sefer has, whatever we do with Rikvega, the Chassam Sefer has almost like double the amount of letters in here. So there's a lot more. We're not going to, we'll try to get through a couple. Uh, interestingly, early on, there's a letter, some very interesting ones about Nittelnacht, and then there's one about Kvitlach. So this is really those are interesting maybe for people to hear about. So, so I would just say, first of all, it, interesting is that Rabbi Shlomyuk in his notes and then the Chassam Sefer section in Rabbi Kivager, I did it myself a lot of work and and other sections, but in the Chassam Sefer section, I probably personally did the least work. That's because Rabbi, Rabbi Shlomyuk put all his comments in there, so we tried to divide it that way. But in the Chassam Sefer letters, there's a letter about the minig not to learn in Halayla Leil Chagam, very well-known letter, 
And the Chassam Sefer talks about what, why people should not learn or should learn on Nitelmacht. And then the next letter is, should you be moicha against those people who play kvitlach, who play cards, which is very common the same time of year, people play cards. Um, the Rabbi Shlomiuk points out that really these two letters were one long letter. And it was divided into two, probably Rabbi Shlomiuk Cipher, but in the original, we have, they have the original, it was actually one long letter. So the Chassam Seifer says, why should they not learn on Nittelmacht? And the Chassam Seifer offers a novel reason, uh, uh, explanation for it. He says, there's a kitruk, there's a kitruk of all the Goyim are going to gather together and worship in midnight mass, and we're going to sit laying, we're going to lay in bed and not learn Torah at the time. That would bring out a kitruk. Therefore, these people have to sleep. So they go to say, no learning at the beginning of the night. So you should sleep at the beginning of the night. And then you wake up after Chatzos to learn so like that, when they're worshipping, we're also worshipping, and they won't come out of Kitrug on Klai. So that's the reason why the Chassam Seifers offers for not learning Nittal. I would just point out that this is actually practice and not such recent history, uh, and, and, and actually in quite recent history. My father, when he went to Yeshiva, he was Navini Yeshiva, and the Vinarov would tell the Bacham to do exactly that, to go to sleep right away. There's no night seder. And then he would wake them up. He always woke them up by talks very early. He wake them up even earlier than that to learn extra because of the Chassam Seifer's approach to Nittal. So the Chassam Seifer pretty much gives a literature face to Nittal. Instead of saying not to learn, it's really about yes learning and just learning at a different time, not about just playing cards and doing anything else. The second letter, the second half of the same letter is about Kvitlich. And I find that very, very fascinating and very informative about how a, a Rav should behave. The Chassam Seifer had just moved from Dresnitz to Matazarf. He had started out in the Robin town in Dresnitz in Bohemia, and then in, in Moravia, I'm sorry. Uh, and the, he um, he then moved over to become the Rob in Matazdorf, which was in Austria. So he was a new Rav, and there was a Takana that was made that no one should play Kvitloch, and the Chsam, which is cards. And the Chsam Seifer says, perhaps it was a mistake. And he admits this, this Kehilo. He says, perhaps it was a mistake. And the reason being is because it's holiday season. People are off from work. And when people are off from work, they have nothing to do. And he says, when people have nothing to do, that's when they do the worst kinds of things. He says, So people are not working. So what are they going to do? They'll speak Lashon Hara. They're going to go and get into fights. And he says, and if you're going to play cards, that's the best of the, the two evils. And therefore, he says, it's a, even though you're not supposed to be Shoyal and an Edel Das Rabim, but he says, but here it's a dvar mitzvah. It's a dvar mitzvah because allowing them to play cards will prevent them from fighting and speaking Lashon Hara. And therefore, he says it's preferable to be moderate. And he's willing to say, rethink something and say, I might have been machmer, but I'm going to be more mekel and say that we should allow people to play cards in their free time. And everyone can imagine how that would relate in our days, what, how that would instruct people and how to guide a kehilo. Um he does end off, this is very important, he says, of course, this only applies to simple people who can't learn, but anybody who's able to learn Torah, this does not apply to them, and they should not engage in any kind of games or anything like that. So that's a very interesting letter from the Chassam Seifer, and it's not just about his leniency, it's also about his willingness to tell the Kehillah, yes, there was an Isser, but perhaps we should relax it for uh, um, to allow the best of the, of, of the two evils. Okay, so uh, like you said, you didn't do this work here, so we're not gonna, we won't spend as much time over here. Uh, another uh, interesting kind of two, again, two related letters uh, that is would probably, I assume, be interesting for people to hear about is 
about uh, family and having the same names, having mechutanim. One is that one letter is talking about the mechutanim having the same name, and the other one is also having the same name. So maybe we should give the younger daughter before the older one. I think so. If you want to talk about those letters, yeah. So this is very relevant, and it's not just very relevant. It also shows like some safer's attitude about um, the the safer chasidim Rabbi Dachasid. It's basically about doing a shidduch and the, the people having the same name, the mechutanim having the same name. And the Chassam Seifer writes something like this. He says, um, he says, If it's not written in the Seifer Chassidim itself, just the Savor, you should not be concerned. It only applies to the actual family of Rabbi Dachasid. It doesn't apply to anybody else. And he says, therefore, the fact that the fathers have the same name should not be of any concern regarding a shidduch. And that's very important for people. That, uh, that's one of the challenges of shidduchim. You finally have a good shidduch, and then there's a problem with the names. Um, another interesting thing is that, some, that there was a family that wanted to take some cipher's daughter, but they didn't want the daughter. There was a daughter, Yitl, who was on the on the, on the the market, and there's a younger daughter, Simcha, which was, her name was Simcha Lehman. She was uh, well-known. And the they wanted to go and so the family said, "Let's. I'd rather take your younger daughter because the, the Yitl had the same name as the as the mother of the Chassan. And that was something that they had a kapeda not to do that. The Chassam Seifer writes pretty sharp. He says, I don't understand. He says something which is only in the Tzavos you're concerned about, that it, the fact that they have the same name, but something which it says in the Torah that you shouldn't give the younger daughter before the older daughter that you're not concerned about. That's something that Chassam Seifer says. Uh, uh, um, I don't want to be over it says in the Torah because of Sichas Nashim to say that they should take the younger daughter. And in the end, he says, just to be special, if you're still concerned, I'll write the name of my daughter Yitl instead of Yitl. I'll change the name a little bit and then it will solve the problem of the Shidduch. So you see what he's willing to do. He also suggests, interestingly enough, he says, if you want, he says, you can wait a little bit. We can do that. We can wait with the Shidduch. And I'll mean to marry my I'll marry off my other two children, and then when we'll come the turn of Simcha, you can have her at, when her time comes. That was also a type of thing they were able to negotiate in those days. Wait a few years and take the younger daughter. But uh, it's interesting that he says the Torah says that he shouldn't take the younger daughter before the older daughter. And that you're not concerned about. What you are concerned about is that uh, the Sichas Noshim or the Tzavos of the Chatzur only applies for um, for. For uh, only applies to the descendants of Rabbi Dachosid, so that's uh, that's another thing which is relevant to people and interesting. And there's another very important letter I should mention, which is uh, also Rabbi Shlomik did a nice job with his footnotes over here. There's a, there's a famous letter that some Seifer wrote. I shouldn't say famous. If you know it, it's famous. If not, it's not famous. But there's a letter that some Seifer writes about what the meaning of what is the true Tefillah B'tzibur. The Chassam Seifer has a very novel idea that the main Tefillah B'tzibur is davening with the Shlech Tzibur, the Chassam Seifer says. It says davening in, the, in what we call the Lachash, the Shlech Shmanesre, that's uh, also Tefillah B'tzibur. The main Tefillah B'tzibur is davening along with the Shlech Tzibur. And some people rely on that Allah so they come into Shul, and the Shlech Tzibur is about to start davening, they daven along with him, and according to Chassam Seifer, that is, and, that, and the source of that is, is a letter from these Igra Seifer. And he considers, uh, 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 he considers that Really, Tefillah B'tzibur. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has a very sharp comment on this tshuva. He says it's wrong, it's a mistake. He really talks strongly against this uh, psaq from the Chassam Seifer. 
And again, Moshe Shlomik practices prudence, did not quote the Igris uh, Moshe, but he quoted other Paiskim today who bring the Igris Moshe. So anyone who's looking at those sources will find the Igris Moshe. But to bring something so sharp uh, in the Sefer, he felt that's not appropriate. So that was the that was the kind of the uh, way that we, 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 went, we went about it. So we don't we didn't quote the Igris Moshe in here, but we quoted the Shevet Halevi and others who quote the Igris Moshe. And that's a very also relevant Shaila regarding whether... Um, a person comes to Shul in the middle of davening Shmanesrei, and you join the right when the Shlech Tzibur starts. That can set the main ikkur to feel a bit There's many, many, many letters here about reform and fighting reform. That can, we can go on forever about that, but that's a big bulk of letters, of course, is about that. And there's letters, you know, typical letters: Saf Meirenu, Talmud, raising money for some, getting a job for someone, a stellar for someone. Those kinds of letters. Is also a very big part where the Chassam was very involved, and he had he worked a lot with the with the, with the very important family in Amsterdam. Uh, is that the name was um, the Rebekiva Laren, and later Rebbe Hirsch Laren, later Rebekiva Laren, that they they were the Chassam counterparts in Amsterdam and sending money to the Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael. The Chassam was very, very involved. He also, and there's also a letter here as well, he interacted with Rabbi Shol Shklover, the Taklan Chadatin, um, who was one of the leaders of the Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael at the time, at the time of the Vilna Vilnagoyen. And um, there's a lot of letters about that. A very, very interesting letter, I'm sure you can ask me about it, so I might as well just jump the gun right now and say it, is a very fascinating letter, is about the fiasco with Dr. Pinner. Dr. Pinner was a fellow who gave, made a very nice impression. I'm sorry if it says when he came by, he looked like a very uh, fine, uh, uh, devout Jew. And, the, and he said he had a plan of translating the Talmud into German. And the Chassam Seifer, believe it or not, was supportive of the endeavor. And he gave him Haskama to translate the Gemara into, into German. And this Rabbi Laren from Amsterdam wrote the wrote some cipher a very strong worded uh, a letter, the Hirsch Laren, and telling him all the pitfalls that will be involved in translating the Gemara into German. And a lot of these arguments can be used against current uh, translations of the into the vernacular. And the some cipher did a fascinating thing. He didn't say, "I'm the rabbi, and who are you to tell me what to do?" The some cipher heard the arguments. And he said, you know something? I made a mistake. And it's an original Igor Seifer wasn't published. This the, the letter over here that that's uh, Lerich writes to Seifer about the problems that he has with the German translation is published in, in the letter of Samachtes and Igor Seifer. But the Sam Seifer's retraction, we actually reproduced it over here in the editions to Sam Seifer's letters. And it's just, you see that Sam Seifer's humility and how he, how, how he writes his retraction full-throated, and admitting that he made a mistake without holding back at all. The Chassam Seifer writes the following words that I, I was, I, I, to me personally, it was very inspiring how a, such a great Gadol, who was not known to change his mind, the Chassam Seifer wasn't exactly a fickle-minded Gadol, he's known to say that he almost never changed his mind. Once he decided something, he stuck to his opinion, and um, because he was right and correct, and he really made mistakes. But in this case, and it's Peiches in the editions over here, we reproduced the announcement that Seifer made, and he asked it to be publicized all over Europe. He writes, Chanuni, Chanuni, Shema'uni, Shema'uni, I beg of you, listen to me. Rabboi Segoyne Azman, Chachmei Dor V'dor Shavam, Yachlom Chazne Hashem Zabbat And he says, I already 
Kvar Pirsamti Chet Mefursam. I already publicized my famous sin, Umichshelo, and what I made people stumble, Ashatachas Yodi, that I gave a letter to Dr. Pinner on translating the Shas into German. And my letter was already published in Hamburg. And over there, I admit, and I wasn't embarrassed to say, I'm embarrassed. I made a mistake. Besides, for the reasons that I said over there, I, I totally did not think of all the problems that came out of the translation. And he says, everyone told me I was wrong. And Valkane the Varum Shamati toes him. Then in Ichoizer for Oiker has Kamosi me Ikoro. Behoyu Kalehoyu Kefes Vaayin Yichshavut Varum Ahemo, Vesimula Elmilosti. And he goes on and speaks about it. I haven't seen another letter from any Rav who signed the Cruz who should have such a full throated retraction like this letter. Amazing. And he was able to write like that and publicize it and admit that he made a mistake. And then he goes on and explains a little bit more that he was fooled partially by Dr. Pinner. And he says that even if Dr. Pinner thinks that he's right, and perhaps he is right, but he says, but if all the G'dayli out there say not like that, it's the right thing for him to, to retract and follow their instruction, like Rebeleza and the Chachamim. That's the letter that he wrote. In the, It's in the winter of uh, 1835. Okay, there's another letter I mentioned about Chassam uh, Seifer being very, he's very busy with his yichas, who his yichas was, people are busy with yichas, so the Chassam Seifer is busy uh, with that as well. I don't know if you have discussed that one, we could manage page Kof Ayin, which, uh, see which which letter you want to give people the letter number, that is letter Lama Test and the Chassam Seifer letters. I, believe but, I, I, I would just make one more comment about that, the yichas you say, it, it talks about how he is a grandson of the Mar Sheshach, which was a Shimon Shatin. He was how he's his, how he's a descendant of his, the Kaisi Shua, that is. And it's just ironic that the Chassam Seifer, who is like the, uh, you know, almost like the most popular Yichas person, you know, everyone, I'm in Seifer, that he himself is concerned with how he is a, 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 what his Yichas is. And also interesting is that in the letters of Reb Shimon Seifer, there's a letter from Shimon Seifer to one of the famous Rebbes of the time. I believe it was Alexander Rebbe. I believe it was Alexander Rebbe. And over there, he also says that I'm not sure exactly how, but we I know that we are related because we're grandchildren of the Marsheshach, just like you are. And um, he therefore he says uh, he says um, so. It's interesting that even the Chassam Soifer himself had was concerned with his own yichus. So he actually has a source for being concerned with yichus if you're the son of Chassam Soifer. I want to mention one more letter, something that you uh, you showed me, but it's not in your footnotes here. I don't know why, but you you told this to me. Maybe you only found this out after. Very interesting. Where there's a letter about the all the list of all the Talmidim of the Chassam Seifer, but there's a Talmud, at least one that we know of, that is definitely missing. It says more than I think the letter's title is Rishimus Yaisrimi Mea Talmidi Talmide Ben Algodlum Rabbi and there's missing. There's a Talmud missing on that. So this letter is Ayin Zayin of the Chassam Seifer, page Reish Lamed to Reish Lamed Hey. Uh, you can tell there's, there's there's a Talmud missing, and do we know why? What happened here? So, in, in number I and Zion is a letter of over 100 Talmud of Nechsam Seifer that went on to becoming great rabbis. And there's one glaring glaring omission, which is the Kol Arye. The the Kol Arye was Zavaria Kohen Schwartz. He is the was also Rav and Saz, and he's not listed on the list. And um, I I knew I did not. It's not the I, I didn't find that afterwards. I just purposely didn't put in the note for the same. Um, you know, didn't want to in any way uh, 
write something in the Sefer which detracts from the Sefer. But it is interesting to note, why would the Kal Aryeh not be here? Now, it couldn't be that he forgot about him, because if Shlomo Sefer was Rav and Barak Saz, and actually his predecessor was the Kal Aryeh, who was also Rav and Barak Saz before him. So there's an article that a grandson of Rabbi Ehrenreich, Rabbi Ehrenreich from Barapak, a grandson of the Kal Aryeh, he referred me to that to the article written in, uh, I believe it's so fair. Over there, somebody, uh, um, I forgot the name of the author, but he theorizes that perhaps they didn't like the fact that the Kalari went to see the Sherebis, he went to Tzans, and they felt that um, if he left the Chsam Seifer and then went to, he went left the Chsam Seifer's yeshiva and he went to Tzans, so he left, the, so to say, their orbit. That's why they didn't include him. Um, more likely is uh, Svar mentioned in Sikar and Lamoisha, where over there, um, a descendant of the Kalari writes that the, the, the children of the Kalari must have had issues with the Barak Sazarov, because he took their father's Rabbanis to, after he died, but he took over his Rabbanis. And that is why, as uh, perhaps as a revenge or something, he didn't want to include him in the list. These are all theories. We don't know, well, unless we, you know, we meet Rabbanis Sai for himself, we don't know why he left him out. But it is an interesting omission that his predecessor, learned by the Chassam Seifer, he was a very young Talmud, though. So if you learned the Chassam Seifer, he was very young, but he was there a significant amount of time. It is a bit interesting that he shouldn't be listed in the list of the Talmudim over here. Okay, now we can move on to the Chassam Seifer. And, and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, but kind of going long, but I think it's there's so much fascinating material that uh, this, again, you know, there'll be a link in the show's notes, I hope, to purchase the Seifer, where people can purchase it, it'll be available in the stores, so we'll, we'll talk about that at the end, but it's just something that people should read, it really, it's just, uh, if people like letters or, you know, autobiographies of G'daylam, you know, the, go to the just read the what was going on, what they were saying, it's very interesting. Okay, so the Ksav Seifer, one we can start off with, I and mean, you can tell me if there's others that you want to talk about, there's one that's really interesting, where he writes a letter about, uh, talk. he's talking about, um, a rav dealing with the kihila, giving Musa, he's talking about something that's a very uh, kind of important and interesting letter. So I'm not sure which one you're referring to. I assume you refer to the letter where he gives Musa. There's, there's more than one letter where he talks about Rabbanus. But in one letter, it's interesting also because it's written anonymously in a mysterious way. The letter says, It's a letter to a rav from his own family, he's giving him Musr. He's giving someone Musr, except Sof is writing Musr to a family member who is a Rav, who is treating his Kehilo with a lot of like uh, a very forceful way and not in a Benachas um, Uvahashkate. That's the letter. Now it doesn't say who this family member is, but just reading the letter, I quickly surmised that the family member must have been his younger brother, Reb Shimon Seifer, who had recently become the Rav of Matzdorf. And to camouflage this, I believe, Reb Shimon Seifer, he shuffled around the order of the letters. If you look at the order of the letters, you'll see that it starts talking about, um, it, this letter is a bit out of order, because there's a discussion over there about uh, um, Reb Shimon Seifer becoming the Rav of Matzdorf. And, and, and then this letter is put before that, actually, yeah, Mikhtav Ches is about Reb Shimon Seifer becoming the Rabbah Matzdorf, and Mikhtav Vov he's giving Musr in Tafresh Vov to someone who became a Rav in, in town. It's a year later, and it's obvious in the order of the letters that he wanted to camouflage the fact that it's to his own younger brother that he wrote this letter. 
But if you read the letter, it's 100% obvious that he must be talking to him. And I saw that Greenwald points out that, uh, from Ohio, he points out that there is no other relative of the Ksav Seifer at the time that could have been the recipient of this letter. There's no one else in the family that it all was a Rav at the time in the, in, in the, just a few years of the Ksav Seifer. This is in 1846. So there was nobody else besides Rav Shimon Seifer. So obviously he's writing a letter to his younger brother and telling him, relax, take it easy. Don't be so sharp. Don't be so strong uh, with your kahila. And he, it's so beautiful. And first of all, it's not in any way minimizing the cover of Rav Shimon Seifer, um, who, again, a full disclosure, my uh, father-in-law is a descendant of Rav Shimon Seifer. I'm not here. It's not, this point is not to disparage him in any way. Adarabba, he writes himself that you're a kanoi and you have a burning passion. That's why you feel to, you want to be so sharp and so strong. But he says that's not the way go about it, the Ksav Seifer says. He says, We can't do everything by the letter of the law. And the Chroinim say that already, and by the way, the Chassam Seifer himself utilizes a similar language. He talks about the Kvitlach we mentioned before. And he says, therefore, we're here to Lishmar Karmoy Veligdor Pertzes HaToyre Bekamet Vorim, and therefore it's Eis Lasses Lashem Efeir Toyre Secha. You have to sometimes turn a blind eye, make believe you didn't hear, and rather not, don't say something which will not be received by the people, and think many times before you speak out against something, and don't speak out. Uh, he says that the reason these things are interesting is because the Chassam Seifer's family was known to be Kanoyim, and I'm just pointing out over here, we see the, there's a certain mesinus and a certain um, level-headedness that comes along with that, and he says that the uh, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna go, if you if you're gonna get, come with your passion, he says, and he says, Ashrecha, it's great that you came to this meetup. You're very strong and devout. That's who you are that way to do rutsin But he says, look at our father. He says, look how he went and he shepherded his flock always slowly and calmly. He never He never spoke out, cursed anyone. always spoke and he gave them only very calm musr and always with a smile. And he says, but he never got angry and never made a mistake. And he says another interesting thing. He says also the chasam soifer never acted in a way of like uh, aloof from the rest of his kehila. That he's so ho- much holier than thou in any way. He says, of course, everyone knew. But the way he behaved from his external behavior, you wouldn't think that he was a man apart from the rest of the people. He acted like everybody else. That's a very interesting thing. He's telling it to his own brother about their father. So that's obviously the way it was. And he tells his brother, he says, listen, he says, every time you want to react to something, first of all, you have to have good advisors, you have to listen to them. Don't obey them, but you have to take into account what they say. And then think it through and discuss it with the people. Don't respond right away. You'll have to tell people I have to think it over. And when you respond, he says, that's going to be your final response. No retraction. Because you're going to keep on doing, you'll act you'll act in um, out of rage. And then you're going to go and retract. You lose your whole uh, nemonis. You lose, your, your, no one trusts you anymore. This is a letter of Hadroch of how to be a Rav. It's worth, look, worth looking inside. It's very fascinating. It's Mikhtavov. There's two other letters where he guides his Talmidim and how to become Rabbanim. 
And it was interesting that both of them, he mentions, they should wear an itztalo de rabbonon. He says, dress like a rabbi. You're a rabbi, dress the part. Have a go with a long uh, cloak. And we're like, if you ever saw a picture of the Ksav Seifer, there's two pictures of him in the Seifer. He dressed that way himself. And he says, we should learn from the priests. The priests dress their part. We should also dress our part. And that's very important. He also talks He talks against um, speaking in a modern way, you know, this mo- modern oratory tactics. He says, rather, a person should speak in the old-fashioned Yiddish way and don't try to be flashy. That's not what's going to attract the other people. Rather, go in the Derech Yisrael Selva. He says this in two letters to two different Talmidim. Interestingly, one of the letters is to Rav Koppel Reich, a very famous Rav from Budapest. And in that letter to Rav Koppel Reich, he writes that um, he warns him about not learning not learning secular topics, not speaking in German, dressing like a rabbi. And the reader is left to the impression as if Rav Koppel Reich was a high-risk Talmud. And that's a bit interesting. That It, it struck me when I saw that letter that Rav Koppel Reich should be the recipient, who's a godlador, the recipient of such a letter. But I found an interesting thing that um, Shmuel Weingarten writes, again, uh, Rabbi Shlomek did not let me publish this, so I'll just mention it now, that this, that the couple Reich, when the Igra Soifram came out, he says, I never received that letter. doesn't mean that the letter was forged. It could be that the letter was written and he never received it. It could be Shmuel Weingarten is not saying what actually happened. And it could be that we don't know exactly what happened. But you have Rabbi Shlomek, sorry for publishing a letter to Kabel Reich, where the Ksav Soifram is allegedly warning him of modern tendencies. But on the other hand, you have a report by Shmuel Weingarten saying that the couple of has never received of that letter. But it is interesting that the Ksav Seifer, in more than one place, talks about the importance of being a traditional Rav and also dressing the part of a traditional Rav. Fascinating. I, I want to, the letter before the one we were talking about with the, Writing to his brother, there is about just just to mention. I'll mention briefly. He writes uh, the letter. Hey, writing to So he says at the end of the letter, he says, One more thing, he says, The point is, he's writing about uh, issues in Rabbanas and. He, Rappaport, he's referring to Shir, as you write in the footnote there, some of you who the Rappaport, the song looks like Sechayshin, and he's not bothering to write Rabbi, nothing, just last name, and that's it. Just the interesting thing to see there. So, so I pointed out over there that because um, I said the Rabbeinu Aksaf Soifer, Einim Itare, Bitoyarab, Mishnotalas, Skola, he clearly calls him Rappaport and only really uh, cares about what the Dayanim in Prague had to say. But it's interesting because a lot has been written about the relationship of Shir with the Chassam Stoifer. And the Ikluk and Hershkowitz's book on the Maratzchayas, he talks about in other sources. And there are some sources that seem that the, the, the Chassam Stoifer actually supported his ascension to the Rabbonus of Prague. But the Chassam Stoifer certainly didn't feel it necessary to call him by a, a more dignified title than just plain Rappaport. Although I wouldn't be sure if I hadn't seen the original letter. Maybe they did say Harav Rappaport and just the Barracks Azarov took it out. Because later in hindsight, it looked at more as a reformer. But I, I wouldn't know. Okay. Now, there's a really, really fascinating letter. And again, with the Shlomo Seifer again, a lot of the, I guess, the really interesting ones, or I guess, I don't know if they're interesting or the ones that are exciting, maybe, with his uh, footnotes is Chavav. He wanted a tape. He told him, don't take that job. Don't do that. 
it's a fascinating letter, and more fascinating, like you said, is the footnote from the Berik Sazrov, the employment uh, cipher. In the actual letter, he's telling him, do not accept, or don't change your abonus. Right now, you're off of Krula, stay where you are, and don't move over to Eisenstadt. And, and it seems from the letter that his mother, Mayor Peril's mother, was behind pushing him to take on the Rabbanus. We see, uh, we had earlier, Kiveger says his mother influenced him to take on the Rabbanus. So the Romero Perel's mother was influencing him and telling him to please take on the, the Rabbanus. And the Ksapsayu tells him, if you're worried about Kibbut of Aim, you don't have to be worried about Kibbut of Aim. Stay where you are and don't listen to your mother. And in the footnote, he has a, he fills in some interesting facts. And he says that what where did the server take this notion that the mother of Romero Pearls was involved? And he says the reason was because Romero Pearls' father was Ramoisha Pearls. Ramoisha Pearls was, was his wife, convinced him to take on the Rabonis in the city of Bonyat. And it did not end well. It, as a matter of fact, just as something that I added in the note over there, from there's a safer called Bayes Nem, written by grandson of Ramoisha Pearls. And he says he has a lotion of the Matseva of Ramosha Perils. And it says that he, he, he had to leave. This is mentioned by Shlomo Seifer. He had to leave uh, the Rabbanus. They gave him such a hard time over there. He had to go because of the reform and all that. And he had to go back to his uh, hometown of uh, Ungarish Brod in uh, Moravia. And that's where he's buried. And on his Matseva, and imagine this today, someone doing that. On the Matseva of Ramosha Perils, it says the following uh, statement. It says, Loinoch. He did not rest. That's what's written on his matzeva. He was Rav in Banyad. I guess they were concerned that someone comes to Ungarish Broad and sees the cave of, of the Rav of Banyad. Why wasn't he buried in Banyad? They explain why on the matzeva. He's there because they gave him a very hard time and the catalyst. And in this footnote over here from Shlomo Seifer, he adds that... Um, he was once in a place where the Rabbana were discussing the, the phenomena of wives getting involved in Rabbanus. And he says that, um, he says, shamati Ki pamachas, I once heard that my, right after the Soifer married daughter of Rabbi Kiva Eger, so the letters arrived in the mail. And there was one letter that the Soifer noticed when his Shamash brought in the letters, he saw this one letter that was opened up. So the Chesim Seifer was enraged. Who opened his mail? The Chesim Seifer said, asked the Meshamish, who opened up this envelope? The Meshamish says, it was the Rebetzin, the new Rebetzin, they just married her. So the Chesim Seifer summoned his Rebetzin. You know, she was half his age, and she comes to his room and he says, Rebetzin, das will ich, das will ich mich mit ein für alle Mal ausbeten, meine Post hat niemand zu öffnen, no one is allowed to open my post, my, my post, my uh, mail, right? That he says, because people vertreut die Welt ihre Soides on meine Rebetzen, people trust me with their secrets. Do people trust their, entrust their secrets on my wife? He says, I don't know if that's true, and therefore you have no business opening my mail. This is what some Seifer told his wife. His wife says, I know that, I'm sorry, I did not mean in any way to intrude and open your mail. I just had a feeling this particular envelope was for my father, and I was so excited that a letter came from my father, therefore I went and I opened it up. And he ends off over there, the Inyan Zem, Musr Haskel, Lechol Rabonim, is a Muskel Rabonim, which they, Ashenil Kubazev, Derech Noshem Lehem, they go tell all the secrets that the Kehillin trusts in them to their wives, 
he says you should not do that, and it, you have to, you have to, even from your wife, you're not supposed to disclose other people's secret. What's interesting is you see the excitement of the Chassam Soifer's wife to get a letter from her father. I mentioned before the emotion in the Ager family. Very, I don't know if I did mention it or not, but uh, there was a lot of emotion in the family. You see it all over. It's a fascinating letter from Rabbi Kiva Eger, two fascinating letters. One of them, Rabbi Kiva Eger writes, I have no menucha, and I cannot calm down because I, until I see a handwritten letter from my daughter. He tells, he writes to the Chassam Soifer, we're going, we're going back to the Chassam Soifer's, the, the, the Rabbi Eger letters, and he tells the Chassam Soifer, he says, I haven't gotten anything in writing from my, from your, from my, from your daughter, from my, from, uh, from, from, from my daughter, from my wife, and he says, it is, it's a postscript to letter Chof Beis from Kivega. Trisha Shalom Labriti Arabon and Tzitznu Amoras Serel Es befremdet mirzeir und macht mir groß Schmerzen. I have a lot of pain. Und umruhe, I'm not calm. Dass du hast dieses Mal nicht dran geschrieben Eisesuris. You didn't write anything to me. He says, Können uns nicht beruhigen bis we cannot calm down until we have the schia to have something written from you. Bitte nicht zu versäumen, do not delay, zu schreiben, bedeuere am Mugdem Lenuach Daiti, write to us right away to calm us down. And in the footnotes in the Oitzris Chassam Soifer, he brings even a more fascinating letter, which is published in Chotam Meshulish, that Rabbi Kiva Eger writes to his brother, we mentioned before his brother, Shmuel lived in the town of Preshburg, and he says, I can't answer you, Kiroishi Velibi Balimi. My my head is just not calm. The yodi rough. My hands are weak. Le Now, what was paining Rabbi Kivega so much? He says, I haven't gotten a letter from some soifer from his wife more than three months. card. I didn't get a mazel tov. They didn't call. They didn't send any letters. Vitsari godol minasoy mamish. I can't hold my pen, he says, because he says, I can't do anything. I haven't heard from my son and from my daughter. And Moshe Shlomiok in his notes from the Oitz of Sam he says, we don't have to explain the Sam Seifer. We obviously had a good reason why he didn't write to his Shver and his wife didn't write for those three months. But he has an interesting um, uh, point. He points out that this letter of Kivek was written in Tov Kuf Pei Gimel. That was in... Uh, Roughly in Kislev, so it's probably December of um, of eighteen twenty two, and he says that the in the in the Ksav Soifer on his hesped of his father, he writes The whole family was sick and no one was healthy, so obviously we know that's what was going on at the time. But you see that Rikiveger, how he feels so strongly, he says, "I can't calm down if I don't see handwritten note from my daughter. I didn't hear from my son." And and it's interesting because there's a legend out there. That Rabbi that the Chassam Soifer got remarried. Rabbi Kiveger came and visited him, but the Chassam, Rabbi Kiveger was not informed that his daughter had died. And the story goes that the, that the Chassam Soifer distracted Rabbi Kiveger by talking to him and learning, so that he should not notice that the new wife there wasn't his own daughter. It's besides for the fact that it's there's a clear reference in the Hesper of Chassam Soifer and Kiveger that the story cannot have happened. Besides for that. But it's impossible to, if you see these letters, there's nowhere to Kivega would come to town and not make sure to see his daughter and see that it's her. You see from the way he interacted with his family with such warmth. And the same thing as Absalom Eger, he writes in that letter that I mentioned before, the Chassam Soifer, he says over there, he says, you know how proud I am of, of my nephews. Wherever I go, I show off about my, of my nephews. And there's a very strong warmth that, that, that emerges about the, uh, from the family, especially from the, uh, the Eger side.
Okay, so a couple other, few more letters from the Ksav Sefer. We'll move on to the uh, Shevet Sefer. I know we're running long, but to me, this is fascinating material. And what, what you're saying, uh, Rav Shimon, and just me to, to, to hear that and to read the Sefer. So, therefore, we're going long. Hope the listeners are enjoying it as well. Uh, there's one letter here where um, he's in Marion Bed. That was like the, the springs, right? They went on like vacation for health. And he's talking about the Baron Rothschild. There's also uh, an interesting letter, one of your Isafis. I, th- I think we mentioned this that in between, at the end of each section of that particular uh, person whose letter it is, Rav, the, the, part of the family, you have the, you write the Isafis, the addition. So there is an, a letter, an addition to this edition of the, of the Sefer from, about uh, Rabbi Hildesheimer. So Rabbi Hildesheimer. So um, I don't know if you have anything to say on either of those, on the about Baron Rothschild or Rabbi Hildesheimer. I would just say that um, on Rizal has a lot to say, but the Rothschild is just interesting. A very, that a very positive view of Baron Rothschild, and the Tzlomis Sefer writes as far that a very close relationship, and he also writes that anything, any tzedaka uh, that Baron Rothschild was involved, at least I guess in that area, he would, if it would be in the region where Rabbi Tzlomis Sefer lived, which is I believe Mogalitzia, he would. Rabbi Tzlomis was another son of the Ksav Sefer. Which is not mentioned that much in the safer, but there is a picture of him actually here. I, I believe there is a picture of him here. Yes, there is. And um, he would turn to him if there was something regarding uh, the Preshburg area. He would turn to the Shevet cipher, another son of the Ksav cipher. And there's something regarding the area where the Barak Sazarov lived. He would turn to him over there. So they, 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 there's a lot of trust and a lot of a very a close relationship between the two of them. That's um, th- that's one important. Uh, a uh, thing with, about, about the Baron Rothschild. There's a few letters back, you know, different interaction, a lot of interaction between the two of them. What's um, what's also interesting is that um, uh, regarding the Brazil Hildesheimer. So, the, if you would read this safer, a bit of a negative view of Brazil Hildesheimer would emerge. Brazil Hildesheimer started out in Eisenstadt, which, as I mentioned before, is that area, the area with the you know with the the, the Presburg area. The Shavakahila, you know, Austria, the Slovakia, but the general area. And when it came, the when the Hungarian rabbinate made the decision of how to uh, be a, set apart from the reform, there was difference of opinion between the different ultra orthodox factions of how orthodoxy should be set up. And Rabbi Simer believed in incorporating a little more. Secular subjects, where the a lot of the, the dominant voices among the Hungarian rabbinate were against it. Um, Rav Shloima Seifer, the Beriks Azarov in Mikhtav Chavzayin, in the twenty seventh letter in the Chav Seifer section, he writes. He says the following. He says. Kiarav Eisenstadt, he says, when he found out, he says, in, in, in Tafresh Chavtes, which is um, 1869, uh, when him and his brother, Shimon Seifer, that's the air lawyer of, that's, that's another son of the Ksav Seifer we haven't mentioned until now. The Ksav Seifer had a son, the Ksav, they had a son, Rabbi Tzachleif Seifer, I mentioned before, who was a great uh, big time chacham and a businessman, um, very wealthy. He describes it in the Seifer as well. Uh, he had the Shevet Seifer, which is a section of it. He was the he took over the he, he was the Malamakim. He became the Rav in Presbyterian after the Ksav Seifer. 
there was the, this author, his name is Shlomo Seifer, and there's another son whose name is Shimon Seifer, not to be confused with the uncle of Shimon Seifer from um, Krakow. He was the earlier of, is the earlier Hasidus today, That's those are his descendants. And he wrote, he's very famous for Sefer Cyrus Truvo that he wrote, a very alumnish Gishmaka Sefer that any, any, any London is, is aware of. So he writes that when him, his brother and him, meaning of Shlomo and of Shimon, came to the Ksav Seifer to tell him that the Rabbi Zil Hildesheim, Kiaravmi Eisenstadt, they call him, is going to leave the country and, and go to Germany, he went on to Berlin. He says, the Ksav Seifer said in the, the Koitzer Amorim Kedarka, he answered curtly, Here he destroyed things. There he'll do good things. So it leaves the reader with the impression as if the Ksav Seifer didn't have the highest opinion of a Brazil Hillsheimer. There can be nothing further from the truth than that. And that is why, from all the letters added to the Ksav Seifer, there's only one letter that I chose to add, and that is the first addition to the Ksav Seifer's letters, in where the Ksav Seifer is actually inviting Rabbi Israel Hillesheim to become the assistant rabbi in Prezberg and, and work together with him. And that's and that was for that reason to bring out the beautiful relationship that Rabbi Israel Hillesheimer had with the Ksav Seifer. As a matter of fact, when the Ksav Seifer was Nifter, they would not bury him until Rabbi Israel Hillesheimer arrived to Levaya. That's how close they were, the two of them. So I have to know how to interpret this comment, and if the comment is 100% the way it was said, but I think that this safer is giving a, the Hungarian attitude towards Rizal Hillesheimer, but it might have been a bit more nuanced than that, or maybe more multifaceted than that. In the that same footnote, there's also another interesting comment, that Shlime, an interesting claim that Rabshlaim Seifer, the Barak Sazarov says, he says that he met the daughter of Rab Shamshon Falhirsch. He met the uh, Rebetzin Breuer, the wife of Rab Shlomer Breuer. Shlomer Breuer, by the way, is a Prezbrook Talmud, the Talmud of the Ksav Seifer. And he says that um, she, he claims that she said the following. He said that even though uh, he says, I went to, he went to visit his grandfather, Rabbi Kivega's uh, grave, and on the way, he visited Rabbi Hildesheimer, and he also mentions then that he, he met the daughter of the, of, of he says, And he says that she said that her father never intended that his derech of incorporating Torah and derech heretz should ever be in a place where the yeshiva is still functioning, like in Hungary, like in Eastern Europe. It was only meant for Germany and its place and time. We know there's a lot of controversy about that between uh, you know, Schwab had earlier, his earlier thinking, his later thinking, and um, if Rav Shamshel Hirsch meant his uh, Torah and derech heretz for all, but just for his time and place. And he's claiming over here that Rav Hirsch's daughter agreed that it was only for his time and place, and it wasn't meant for all. That's an interesting claim that's made over here. Okay, and uh, Joel Hilsheimer later on ended up in Berlin, the Berlin Seminary, and uh, there's a, a lot a lot more to say about him, but not for now. Okay, let's jump to the Shevet Seifer and a related topic, just the Shevet Seifer, and a related topic to what we just finished talking about is there's a very interesting letter uh, that he wrote about the Austrit, the Austrit, the famous uh, question of the Kihila, if the Kihila should split off or not, which Rav Hirsch advocated for, and there was uh, Machalikis between Rav Hirsch and the Wurzburger Rav, Bamberger. So there's a letter here from uh, Rav Shevet Seifer, Rav Simcha Bunim Seifer, 
about this uh, as well. So just segueing into the Sheva Cipher from the Zil Hillesheimer, I want to point out that on the first letter from the Sheva Cipher, in the, which is Oisman based, because in the original, I mentioned before, in the original, the Sheva Cipher didn't have its own section. It was a part of the Ksav Cipher section. We made our own section for it. But um, in that letter is a footnote, um, Kuf Ayin Beis, that's the, that's the footnote. And I, 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 I brought out, I quoted, over, I'm just trying to see where the footnote is going on. But interesting. Um, this is, oh, oh, here it is. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I pointed out in the archives of Leo Beck in New York, there's a letter from the year that was written by an anonymous writer from Kreshberg to Rebbe Zril Hildesheimer. Um, I gave credit over here to the Hamayon Tishrei Toshin and Dalid, but I did not mention the name of the author of this uh, article that I took it from. I actually took it from an article written by uh, Dr. Mark Shapiro. And in Hamayon Tishrei Toshin and Dalid, he cites, he discovered this letter in the archives of Leo Beck in New York. And over there, this anonymous, we don't know who the writer is, but he writes to Brazil Hildesheimer about the yeshiva in Presburg. And he's pretty much attacking Brazil Hildesheimer for his uh, Talmudim not behaving properly, and those who come to Presburg are very unimpressive, he writes. But in, in the in the course of that letter, and I'm, I'm mentioning this because the Shevet Seifer is not as well known to most people today, his greatness and his lamdanus, and how what a great Rosh Hashiva and Rav he was. But over there, he was still a young boy when his father was still alive. And by the way, the Shevet Seifer was not the oldest of the sons of the Ksav Seifer. The older brother stepped, apart, stepped aside for him to take over the Rabbanis. And th- this anonymous writer writes, meaning the Ksav Soifer, ben Echod, he has one son, his name is Bunim, that's of Simcha Bunim, who Godl be Israel. He's a Godl be Israel, and he says that there, some great Rav was here, and he said if this Bacha would be in times of some Soifer, he would be from the greatest ones among them. And he was 21 years at the time. So you see how great the Shevet Soifer was. He was 21 years old, and the Rabbanim of the time was said he would have been great in the times of the Chassam Seifer. So he's not that well-known, and he's the Shevet Seifer, the third in line from the Chassam Seifer, Chassam Seifer, Shevet Seifer. Um, but back to the letter that you're referring to, you said the letter about the Austrit, that's also a bit fascinating, because there's there was a, a, from Germany, he was asked about his opinion regarding the big, huge machlaikas between the Wurzberger of Bamberger and the Pshamshnafol Hirsch. Pshamshnafol Hirsch held that even if the Grausgemeinde, meaning even if the general Kehila allows for an orthodox faction to function 100% Alpida Shulchan Aruch, the Rabbi Shlamshelver has held in principle you're not allowed to be part of that Kehila because you're part of a greater Kehila which is not following the Shulchan Aruch. This, a, lot, a lot of this machlekes has transferred and post-World War II at the, when the Dinas Yisrael came to be. The same question, are we allowed to be part of, even if we're allowed to function 100% as Orthodox Jews, are we allowed to be part of a entity which does not follow the Shulchan Aruch? And so the words figure of held that if they're allowing you to function 100% of the Shulchan Aruch, there is there's no need to have any outstrips and go make your own kehila. You could just continue functioning within the greater kehila as long as everything you're doing is within the shulchan. Which means that Bamberger was not against outstrips per se. He, of course, sometimes it was necessary. He says only when necessary. 
And if Tasha Lohar's held, it's a matter of principle. You can't be part of that Kehillah. So this is a letter written by someone, Elio Schwabacher, and he wrote from Frankfurt, and he and this is in Tofresh Lamedches, which would, would be in Paris So it's a it's a 1877, and he's wrote to the, the to Shevet Seifer that, that he had asked the Shevet Seifer, "What's your opinion regarding this Machlokes?" And the Shevet Seifer, surprisingly, even though we always assume that the Seifer's family was outskirts at all costs in all situation, he surprisingly answers, "I have not given any." A ruling on the matter, and basically saying, I'm not going to get involved. And then he says, and if you want me to respond anyway, he says, you're not a rabbi, or you're not talking the name of the Kehillah, so be so kind that if you're interested in getting my response, have the Kehillah write to me formally, and hadar. but um, he doesn't take a strong stance and say, outfits at all costs. That's very interesting regarding the, the, the Shevet Seifer. And there is a lot of discussion about the Ksav Seifer himself, where the Ksav Seifer's personal opinions were um, at the time of when the Hungarians made that, you know, it was called the Tailung, when they separated from the from the reform, how strong he felt about it and how he felt about it. Ultimately, he went along with the, with the, of course, with, 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 with the, with the Tailung, and he certainly was a proponent of it, questions for how strong he was. Also very interesting is that, on the other hand, there's another letter over here. There was in Hungary, there were three kinds of kehilas in Hungary. There was the Nialog. Nialog was reform. It wasn't the reason it's called Nialog. It wasn't the same reform as in Germany. Every place reform had a different base to it. And the reform in Hungary was quite traditional. It was uh, um, very like a conservative Judaism type of thing. That was the Nialog that was in Germany, in, in Hungary. In that in the whole general area, the whole uh, that, that whole area, which we can we said before, it's not Hungary per se. And then there was the Orthodoxen, that was the Orthodox Gemeinde, uh, which was censured in Pest. They had the Central uh, Congress for it, and that's where it was run from over there. Then there was a called status quo. Status quo was status quo kehilas. Kehilas says we're not getting involved. We are kehila. All Jews are welcome. We're uh, we don't we don't we don't we're not uh, uh, Orthodox. We're not neologue. And there is a letter from the favorite site for the next letter where he does say that here in Hungary, um, he says that Psakdin already came out, Mirabonim, going to be done for some of custom on these Kehilas, that that um, no one can dare go against the Kvosh Rishainim. And of course, you're only allowed to adhere to a be part of a Orthodox Kehila and not a Shatas Kokehila, even the Shatas Kokehila is run 100% of Pelacha, which sometimes was the case, by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. When I release different things, I have a podcast about a rub in Hungary and the same for the command. I will talk more about the status quo. That to be a different one. Uh, it's not recorded as of this time, but it will be. So it'll be more about that uh, that conversation. One more thing about the uh, Shevet Seifer is there's uh, some Hisafis here, additions that you added into into here. And uh, there's an interesting Seifer where there's a, a smicha uh, that he's giving, but it's not from him. It's in his lifetime, but it's not signed by him. So it's not from him; it's from his son, but it, but it's during his lifetime, which is interesting. Yeah. So that letter and another, there's two letters over here that I added from the Shevet Cipher. As I was working on the Cipher, I remembered at the very tired Yid, Chol Steif. He lives here in Lakewood now, originally from Muncie. He once showed me handwritten um, smicha letter and a Mirenu letter that his grandfather, Rabbi Yonason Steif. Who was he survived the war? He was the Rosh Bezna of Budapest, and he survived the war and was the rubber of the Vina Kehila in Williamsburg. 
Um, Rav Yonis received a Ksav Meirenu from the Shevet Cipher, and then he also got a Smicha. But the Smicha was in the lifetime of the Shevet Cipher, because he was the Shevet Cipher, but it's not signed by the Shevet Cipher. Instead, it's signed by Rabbi Kiva Cipher, the Das Cipher, who was the son of the Shevet Cipher. And Ramachol Shtaif explained to me that's because the Shevet Cipher, um, it seemed to have declined in the end of his life, and therefore he didn't sign any letters, and he didn't get... Um, he didn't, uh, so the Rabbi Kiva Seifer did it for him. Um, I want to mention this, if uh, I, I try not to involve my personal opinions over here, but you just uh, triggered one of them, so I'm going to say something. Um, I'm involved in publishing Svarim. It pains me very much, sometimes I've had these cases, where people come and they bring a letter written by a God of Israel, who is obviously not able to, at this point in his life, uh, look at the Seifer and give an intelligent opinion of what the Sefer is about. And I even once asked someone, I said, I don't understand. How could it be that you got this letter? This Rav is not uh, functioning that much. So he says, oh, not a big deal. I wrote the letter. I took it to him. He knows how to sign his name, and he signed his name. I find that, uh, if I just may give my personal opinion, I, I think that's unethical to do something like that. And you see over here that the Shevet Sefer was not up to functioning in that way of giving Xavi Reynu, even though it, 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 the argument would have been there's no question he would have signed this letter to give it, and we have a Ksav Meirene that he gave to Rabbi and Shtaif, but to give a Smicha to Rabbi the, the, the practice that was in Hungary, you left the yeshiva, you got a Ksav Meirene. When you're ready to become a Rav, then they gave you Smicha. They didn't give you Smicha when you left the yeshiva. When you're ready to be a Rav, right now you need a Smicha, we'll give you this Smicha now. So he came back then to get the Smicha, and the Beisden, the Rabbi Kiva Seifer himself signed, it says Ben Marein Rav Simcha Bunim Seifer Shlita. His the other the David Naiman David Lakenbacher, a great Naiman from Presburg, like Friedman, they signed it, but the Shevet Seifer did not sign it. And I find that's important that um, you know it was it was honest and uh, and even though it meant that Rabbi Yisroel Steif might have never get a Ksav Smicha from his own Rebbe, who he was a very loyal Talmud and learned by many years by the Shevet Seifer. Okay, so that was an added letter. Okay, the next one, uh, the next person to go to is Rup Shimon Seifer. I mentioned uh, from Krakow. So he's interesting for a number of reasons. First of all, we're, so we're back, now we, we went back higher up because Rup Shimon Seifer uh, is a Talmud, is a Talmud, is a son of the Chsam Seifer. So we went back a generation. Uh, and also, he was, in, he was in Krakow, so we were talking in Poland, different area. We're not in Hungary anymore. Uh, he was also a he was a member of parliament, I believe, right? And uh, so that that was I like yes. to talk about him a little bit. So that's, that's yes. just interesting besides the letters. Rosh Shimon Saif was a fascinating person. We started we discussed him a little bit earlier that he was a big Kanoi and very big uh, Hashem, starting out in his career in Matasdorf. He then left Matasdorf to the Rav of Krakow, which is a very significant and big city. There's also an interesting letter. I'm not going to go into it because really short on time. I mean, this is, I can't imagine people listening that anyone's up to this part is, is really, really holding up a long time. But um, the the there's a, there's another letter where the Ksav Seifer describes to his son in vivid detail his trip that he made to Krakow and how how, how, how he was accepted in the city of Krakow, and he spoke over here, and he gave a drush over there. It's a very interesting letter. So the two brothers got, a well, got along very well. And um, the Shimon became the Rav of Krakow. At one point in time, he needed, for various reasons, to get involved in, actual, in national politics. And, 
and he became a member of the parliament of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. He writes over here that he caucused together with the conservatives, and he was he had a relationship with Rav, with, with the Kaiser Franz Josef. There's a very fascinating letter where Rav Stimmenseifer writes to his son in a very uh, it's very great detail of the, the Franz Josef's visit to the city of Krakow, because you remember that Krakow was Galicia, which we're used to associating with Poland, but it was actually part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So it was under the Kaiser Franz Josef, and the 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 the, 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 the he writes that, that how the Franz Josef came and how he made a brach on him and how he mentioned how he spoke to him in German and how nicely the the Franz Josef. Um, received him, and he even recognized him from Parliament. He says, you're the one who caucuses with the conservatives. He knew exactly who he was, and now they presented him with the Sefer Torahs. That's a very interesting part of the relationship over there. He also was, he became a leader, like the, as true to his Messiah um, from his father, he became the forefront of the fight against the Haskalah in Galicia, the Shemri Hadas. They made a, uh, just like in Hungary, there was the Orthodox Shingamang, there was the Shemri Hadas in, in Galicia. And he employed many of the different um, Sefer style fighting against reform. He, he employed it in in uh, in Galicia, but he had over there, there were a lot of Hasidic Rebbes that he worked with. Which wasn't so common in back home in the Pressburg Matazov area. So he interacted with Sheila Belzer, the very acute interaction over here, how they met together in Lemberg and Lvov. And Rabbi Sheila Belzer invited the Ksav Seifer for Rashhoidish Suda. So Shimon Seifer tells Sheila Belzer, he says, um, I don't eat a Rashhoidish Suda. I just eat an extra food for my Rashhoidish. We don't make a Rashhoidish dish where I come from. Okay, if you want me to come for a meal, I'll come for a meal. He came to for a meal, and in the middle it says someone the woman having difficult giving difficulty giving birth, came in and asked uh, showed a kvittle to the rabbi. So in deference to the Shimon Seifer, Rabbi Sheila Belzer took the kvittle and told the Ksav Seifer, told the Shimon Seifer, you should read this kvittle. Rabbi Shimon Seifer says, no, I don't do that. It's not my Messiah to read the kvittle. In other words, so it was interesting how there was a lot of mutual respect between the Sansa of the Chaim was very involved in getting in, in getting up Shimon Slayer to come, and he also got he also had to uh, walk between the range ups of the fight between Sadiqer and Sans, a big fight that went uh, was going on over there. I mentioned before he had a relationship with Alexander Rebbe, and he was he interacted very very nicely with all the Rebbe's there, but he retained his Ashkenaz status of not you know he doesn't read Kvitloch. And he doesn't make Rishkoidish Sudas that much. He retained his Ashkenaz uh, Derech. That was that, that was pretty much the uh, what was going on of Shimon Seifer. In a way, he was even more of a you know, he went down in history more as that Askin and Loichel Mohammed Hashem, more even than the Ksaf Seifer, who was more famous for his Chuvas and for his Svarim. Uh, he has great Svarim as well, and there's great Divritaira from even in, in the Sefer itself from Shimon Seifer. But um, he, he was very, very active, big activist. Now, it, it, two, there are uh, some letters here in this section, especially from other people, not from Shimon Sefer, two Shimon Sefer, that are very interesting. Go ahead. Uh, that, what, what was it? What are you referring so, to? So there's two letters that we don't have to discuss them. We're going long. But I want, one, one is uh, his brother-in-law, Shlomo Zalman Spitzer, 
uh, Rabbi Spitzer has he has letters him. And another one is someone that we haven't mentioned that a lot. I don't know how we've gotten this far in. We haven't mentioned Rabbi Leibel Eger. Uh, Rabbi Eger was a son of Rabbi Shleim Eger. He famously became Hasidish, Talmud of Kotsk, and he has a shaykh as to kind of Lublin. So there's two there's two very important letters here, which is about Rabbi Leibel Eger and the Sefer. One of them, we have to back up again to the Rabbi Eger section, and there's a letter over there, which is a fascinating letter. It was actually reproduced in the Agdoma. I mentioned before, Shmuel Birnbaum, um, in the Agdoma to the Chuvas Rachash Leibov. That's the first time I ever saw that letter, but it comes from here. It comes from our Sefer. There is a letter that Shmuel Birnbaum wrote to Reb Label Eger. Reb Label Eger inquired, and Reb Label Eger was the son of Reb Shalom Eger, just to make it clear. He joined Hasidim to the chagrin of his father, who was a great misnagid, and um, he wrote a letter to his uncle, Reb Shmuel Birnbaum. I mentioned before, Shmuel Birnbaum is a son-in-law of Reb Kiveger. So Reb Label Eger turns to Reb Shmuel Birnbaum and says, tell me about my grandfather. Tell me about his derech hachayim, what he was like. And I mentioned before, Reb Shmuel Birnbaum's father, Reb Shmuel Birnbaum's father was actually Hasidish. He actually was a Hasid. Now, Shmuel Birnbaum married into Reb Kiveger's family, despite the fact that he had Hasidish in Hagim, and Reb Kiveger's family had Minhagim of Mesnagdim. They were Minhagim of Mesnagdim. So the first, this letter is a fascinating letter that Shmuel Birnbaum writes to the Label Eger. He says, first of all, you're asking me to tell you about Rabbi Kiva Eger. You need to hear from me about Rabbi Kiva Eger. You're there next to the crazy Uplacey. You know the Kailiga Kotzke Rebbe, and you know the the, the, the great uh, um, uh, he mentions he mentions specifically he says, and he says, and it's interesting, and the greatest of the three, I don't know if Hasidim will agree to this, that's, that's the Chidush Yerim. So he says, you need to find out Rabbi Kiveger, you have the Kotzke, you have the Ishbitze, and you have, uh, and you have the, 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 the the the, the Imagine this. You say, what do you have to know about Kivager if you know about these you know these three people from up close? And he's this is the son of Kivager writing this to his nephew, Rav. Uh, but then he goes on to talk at length about his Shver and there's some very important things about Kivager, and we can't go into all the detail here. I'll just mention the first one, which is very interesting. He says Rabbi Kivager did not move from the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. He says, He never budged from a psaka of the Shulchan Ramah. He says, The first Pesach he was married. So here you have a small Burma, newly married, Hasidish younger man, marrying in the Kivega's, we're talking about the Maisa over here, mind you, the one on the Shah Melech. He marries Rabbi Kivega's daughter, and he comes home, he comes to Shul the first day uh, Pesach, and Rabbi Kivega says, You must put on tefillin. I don't care that your father's minig and all the chassidim hashabes midrashenu did not wear tefillin chalam boyd. He says here in my house you're going to wear tefillin. He says the eretz ashkenaz kimo aleim valzarim toyras moisha ramo the cholas agoisav aliroasav esyosiv. And he says therefore we cannot deviate from that at all and we have to wear tefillin. But he told him he could put it without a bracha. And he's, he writes to label Eger as one class to telling the other how painful it is to have to wear tefillin chalam boyd. He says, It's very difficult for me to change my practice. They'll start wearing tefillin chalmoit. All that sleepy, I was delighted because he did not force me to make a bracha. So I was delighted I didn't have to make a bracha. You get a little a taste over here of this letter of Shmuel Birnbaum to Rabbi Eger. There's another letter from Shimon Seifer. 
which I can't go into at length over also fast, that's what you're referring to. But Rav Shimon Seifer, also to label Eger, talking about the fact that they're delaying the Brismila, and that is also, it's a, it's an important letter regarding this general practice of Hasidim, that they delay things, but how long to delay it, and that's a letter from Shimon Seifer to his um, uh, cousin, Rav Label Eger. It was his first cousin. Yes. Okay. And and I, we're not really doing anything else from Shimon Seifer because, like we said, this is this podcast is already long enough. But there are a lot of letters from Shimon Seifer. I'm just it is you know in in the Mafteach in the in the Torichin and Yanim uh, in the front there's, uh, there's two and a half pages worth of you know each line is another letter. So I'm not counting it right now. I mean, actually, I should just go to count. You have it in the numbers, right? Let's see how many number. Because uh, I. I should say that already. The Teichon doesn't say the number of the letter, but in the actual Sefer, it says that what, what number the letter is, the numbers of the letters. So I, I, want, I want to just respond to a few comments you just made. First of all, regarding why there's no numbers in the Teichon is because the numbers go back and forth, and it's, it will be very confusing to put them in the Teichon Yonim. There's also, it skips over some numbers. It's like There's numbers missing. So, and the original didn't have it either, so I just chose to just write the subject and the page number. Regarding the fact that Shemesh Seifer has that many pages in the Teichon is also a bit misleading, because this, um, the reason for that is the titles of Shemesh Seifer's letters are just much longer than other letters. But it doesn't really, you can't really measure the amount of letters based on the length of the of the Teichon And I'll tell you a little secret that um, people listening so long deserve to know this already, that we were so down to the wire time-wise that when I was doing the Teichen and Yanim, we, I, I was shortening the... In, in, there's a, in the original... In, in, the, in the table contents, the original table contents, the original Sefer, it doesn't correspond fully, 100%, to the titles in the book. In other words, there's a title for the letter that's in the Sefer, and in the uh, table contents, it doesn't correspond 100%. There are differences. And I chose in each one, which if I want to go 100% with the Teichon and Yanim, with the, I didn't always adhere exactly to the table of contents from the original Safer. I sometimes, I sometimes went to, I, I, cha- I, I changed it a little based on the actual title. But by the time I got to Jim and Safer at the end, we were really running out of time, so I didn't shorten them as much. That's why Teichon Yanim has a longer, as much more for Shimon Cipher. But in the actuality, it's not that, not that, that much longer than the other ones at all. And and we did cover a lot of the letters. I referred to many of them before. We discussed some of them. And as you mentioned, this from his brother-in-law, Rav Zalman Spitzer, who uh, was a posthumous uh, son-in-law of Rav Cipher. He married a daughter. And um, there's also a lot about, I, you know, with the, about building the Shoyim Hadas. Which is uh, which was the organization to fight the reform in um, Galicia, and there is a lot of interaction also with the Chassidish Rebbe, that I mentioned before, with the Yichas we also discussed, and then there's of course that uh, letter that um, you mentioned before, the Chuvah on the Shaila regarding uh, delaying the Prismila, which is to label Eger. That's a very important letter, and um, I, I do think that we covered a lot of them. By referring to them in different ways, that so we talked about the his interaction of Kaiser Franz Josef and the politics that he was involved in, the fight between Sans and Sadiger, his interaction with the Belzarebo, and um, and many, and I mentioned also the the Kameo that he had. So we pretty much did cover a lot of the letters, one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Actually, you're right. We did. I just wanted to just to make that clear that there are more than just, we just had this, this small part of conversation right now that there was more than that. That's all. Okay. Now we have the last part here is the Chsan Seifer, as you uh, 
you mentioned him earlier that he was a uh, grandson via daughter, and uh, he is a Shmuel Ehrenfeld of Matasdorf. So I, do you want to just mention him? And then just there are here there are a lot of added letters that are new to this edition, but uh, there's one really, really interesting letter that we probably should talk about when he was sick and uh, what he talks about when he was writing to the uh, heads of the the Kehillah. Yeah, so the section of the the, the Hassan Sayyid, for the reason why it's a separate section, even though really there's not that much in the original say from the Hassan Sayyid, is because one of the things that Shlomir provided in uh, cooperation with one of his friends, Rabbi Strasser, Yehuda Strasser, in, he provided many letters from the Hassam Seifer, and we just published them exactly as Rabbi Strasser gave it, gave it over to us. He put it in as is. But because we had so many additional letters from the Hassam Seifer, it was appropriate to make a separate section, even though from the original Seifer, just two or three letters from the from the Hassam Seifer himself. The Hassam Seifer, I mentioned before, started out as a businessman, and then he went into Rabbanus, he became a Rav. And there's a point in time, that's what the subject of the first few letters is, where him and his cousin, the Rabbi Kiva Karnitzer, the son-in-law of the Shimon Seifer, and also grandson of Hassan Seifer as well, were vying for the same position of the becoming the rub of the city of Matasdorf. Interesting, it was something that I think people can relate to today. One of the concerns the Hassan Seifer had in not taking on the Rabbanus of Matasdorf is because of its close proximity to this big city of Vienna. He didn't want Bokhram being so close to the city. He wanted to be out of town. and didn't want to be so close to the big city of Vienna. That's one of the reasons why he did. He was concerned with taking on the Rabbanis, and his main focus was to have a yeshiva. He was a great Rosh yeshiva, the Hassan Seifer. As a matter of fact, people familiar with the Svarim of the Hassan Seifer will know that he's a very big London, a very, very Londish person. He died very young and very tragic that he died so young. It's fair to say, had he lived longer, he might have been the most one of the most dominant and important Rabbanim in Hungary. He was actually from the greatest Rosh Hashivas and was minded a lot, a lot of Talmudim, very important figure, the Shmuel Ehrenfeld, the Chassan Seifer. Also part of the Ehrenfeld family, which is interesting, and it also comes up in these, in these letters, there's a letter, I'm going to go back a second to the Ksav Seifer, if I may. There's a letter from the Ksav Seifer, which is written uh, trying to get a Rabbonus for the, also the Hassan Seifer's um, brother-in-law, that would be, whose name was Abraham Glasner. Abraham Glasner was the father of the Doi Ravi. The Doi Ravi is Rekiva Glasner, and they he, he uh, they, they, they were the rough in the city of Kloisenberg. We know that he's a Kloisenberg Hasidus. The Kloisenberg Hasidus comes from the Halberstam family. The Rabbi the Halberstam, Zamla, the Halberstam, the Kloisenberg Rav, was actually never the elected rabbi of the city of Kloisenberg. He was the rabbi of the Kahal Yireim within Kloisenberg because the Kloisenberg Rabban and Glasner were a bit more Ashkenazish and a little little left leaning. So the Chassidim made their own Kahila within the Kahila called Kahal Yireim of Kloisenberg. That's what the Kloisenberg Rav was Rav, but he wasn't really Rav of the city. The Rav of the city was Glasner, Rav Glasner, he became the Rav there. And he was a Talmud of the Ksav Seifer. And the Ksav Seifer writes in his letter when he recommends him to become a Rav, he writes, he's he's like Tomim, he's 100% perfect. So I, I added a very interesting footnote that, um, which says that, that uh, the Doi Ravi, the son of Rav Ram Glasner, writes in his introduction to the Sefer, he says that my father, the Ksav Seifer's language, this is in the letters of Ksav Seifer, Yud Aleph, he says that... Um, he says, Rabbi Ram Glasner, my, my uh, Talmud, is Muslim b'chol ha-maylis ha-romes um, uh, 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 in his gavis. The, there's a fascinating story in the Agdama, the Dar-Ravi, 
he writes as follows. He says that the Ksav Soifer had this Talmud Rabban Glasner, and he wanted to get to know him a little better. See, the Ksav Soifer went on a trip, and he said, can you come along with me on this trip, and we'll travel together. And they went to they went to Yergin, like a summer resort, for a few weeks. And they traveled together, and at one point, they came to the, where they were staying over there, I don't know if it was an inn or a bungalow, whatever they were, and the Ksav Soifer Went to take went to rest, and while the Ksav Seif was resting, the Talmud Ravam Glasner walked out for a few minutes. He comes back into the room, and the Ksav Seif already awoke. The Ksav Seif woke up, and he sees the Ksav Seif found his Talmud's diary. He must have left it. On, he was in the middle of writing his diary. He had left it out. He knew the Rebbe sleeping anyway, so he won't see it. In the meantime, the Rebbe woke up and he saw the open diary, and the Ksav Seif was holding his hand, reading his private diary, where he had it revealed all his most private thoughts. And uh, feelings, and Mr. Ram Glasner was uh, it, it mortified. His Rebbe is sitting there reading all, all his private thoughts and feelings. He didn't know what to do, and he starts begging and crying. Please give it back. Don't read what I wrote. Please don't read what I wrote. The Ksav Seifer ignored him and just continued reading it as if he's not there. The Ksav Seifer read from the beginning to the end, and the Dari says my father was especially mortified because one of the things that he wrote in his diary was that Ksav Seifer had a young daughter. That was uh, eligible for Shaduchim. And Ravon Glasner wrote that he very much would love to marry that daughter because he should be able to become, not, not, not in any way that he had a relationship with her, just because he wanted to become a son in law from the Tsam Seifer. And it was very exciting for him to become a son in law. Imagine the Ksav Seifer is reading his diary and he comes across a line where this Talmud has the nerve to write that he wants to marry his sister. And he was totally uh, uh, not, not, not known to do, you know, to put himself. The Ksav Seifer calmly finishes reading them, and he says, I'll have to leave the yeshiva. There's no way I'll ever be able to face my Rebbe again. When he finishes reading his diary, the Ksav Seifer turns to him and says, Kulach yofa umum ein bach. You are perfect. There's no, there's no blemish in you. And that goes exactly to what he writes in this letter over here, that he says, That's what he said about him. And subsequently, he ended up marrying the sister of the of the Hassan Seifer, the daughter of David Ehrenfeld, and he ended up saying he didn't marry because that, that daughter of the Hassan Seifer didn't, didn't end up living. She ended up dying. But uh, he ended up marrying her niece, basically, and he did marry into the family. So just another thing about the Ehrenfeld family. But back to the, the Hassan Seifer himself, and I, I would hope this should be our last letter that we discuss. The Hassan Seifer, this is also a letter that to me was very inspiring. Hassan Seifer was basically a young man and very tragically in terrible pain and very sick. And he went to the bath, the baths, baths in the bathhouses in Kirling to be able to recover from his sickness. And he writes a letter, it's in Yiddish Deutsch, so it's hard to understand, but I read it and I, I got the gist of it basically. And he writes to them the following. He says, it's, I didn't want to take a salary for my work because I have not been functioning as a Rosh Hashiva, I haven't been functioning as a Rosh due to my sickness, and therefore I'm undeserving of take, of drawing a salary. But you convinced me and forced me to take the salary. But it must stop there. I beg of you and demand of you, at no way in the world should you send any money to me to help pay for my uh, um, treatments or my sickness or anything like that. That is on me. I don't want you to send any money from me whatsoever. And he writes it very, very, very strong, strong worded. And he says also, and I'm turned to my family, do not take money from anyone. And anyone gives them for any excuses and any backdoor ways of giving them money. I am against it. And I will not. He says, 
gibt ihr mir Kraft, you give me strength. Und er hebt mein Gemüt, you give me like energy. He says, the money should go back to where it came from. It should go back to Kupas HaKohol. People are not doing well financially. I don't want any money. I, again, I would like to see other letters like that. When people saying, don't send me money, I don't want the money, I'm not deserving of drawing a salary, and I'll, I'll take care of my own destiny. And this is the, and he, he writes more than that. He writes, because I promise not to take it, he says, it's a nether, the ace sorrow, she ain't loy hafara. It's actually, I, I, I bring a footnote of this, it's a shayla, if it is a, if it is a far, not a fara, but he says, it's a nether, she ain't hafara, and therefore he says, in Wien, my son, Rabbi David Zvi, that he should not take anything and, and, and uh, from the kehilo, and he says any way that someone tries to send the money in any any way whatsoever is not acceptable to him. I find that a person dying and being so concerned of being an uh, 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 only in the henem yigia kapov and being a kikapayim, I think it's a very nice ending to the say for maybe for the podcast as well. Yeah, it's a really moving, a really interesting letter. Uh, unfortunately, like you said, it's in the Yiddish, Deutsch, Yiddish, German. It's not exactly in uh, Hebrew. But I guess, like you said, if there'll be another edition of the Sefer, you'll take those letters and translate them if you have time and, and redo them. And another thing as well is, I guess maybe this is because not to make the Sefer even bigger than it is. It's, it's 500 pages as it is. And you use the glossy paper, so it's heavy. That's because there's a lot of pictures in here. Like I said, there's original black and white pictures, but there are pictures. Um, is that there's no maftech either. So there's a teichen in the front, but there is no uh, maftechus in here. But I guess that's just, it gives, it make it big. Is that why you didn't put a maftechus in here? Um, uh, time constraints. <laughs> the whole, a four and a half week production, you can't expect maftechus too. Absolutely. Another thing I want to mention about Sefer, it's a, I, I, a very nice cover design. The designer did a great job. I'll tell you, everyone, your team did the cover. I, I like that a lot. And you put the signature from the Chsam Sefer on the front cover. On the outside of the safer. Yes. yes. So I, I think we kind of answered one of the final questions I was going to ask you is what you know why should someone read it? What can someone gain from it? I think our whole discussion answers that question, right? You know, this is a really you can really learn about. It, it's like when you read any you know I've done uh, episodes in the past recently, Michael Tyler with Rabbi Shemayim and others. You read from Gedolim, you read their autobiographies, their diaries, their letters. You get kind of this like window onto their world, and their personal lives. It's something that's fascinating to read and. and Interesting. There's a lot of halach in the Sefer, but I wouldn't say that's the main content. There's an enormous amount to, to use a, at the risk of sounding anachronistic. There's a lot of hashkafa, even though I, I don't think any of the any of the people in the Sefer would recognize that word at all. But um, there's a lot of their outlook in life, rabbanus and family. I think it's also very important to learn about a lot about that. The certain openness and frankness that there is in these letters, the honesty and most importantly, these are letters of Kedoli Yisrael of the highest level. Rabbi Kivayger, Sam Soifer, Rabbi Shlomo Eger, Ksav Soifer, Rabbi Shimon Soifer. I don't, I don't know of any other collection of letters from that level that are so many letters survive, and all in one volume that have been published by a close relative of theirs that you could, um, you can compare it to. I, I don't know what it would compare to at all. And um, there's every every angle in life is so much love from there. For sure. Okay, so how can someone purchase the safer now that we had this longer? If there's anybody left at this point of the podcast, uh, but how can they purchase it? How can they get a hold of a copy? Okay, so I mentioned the primary uh, initial launch of the safer, or for, for the purpose of it was for the wedding of 
the donor, um, Mr. Uh, Ellie Reader's daughter. And it was given out by the wedding and hundreds of people actually at the time of the recording already have the safer on their shelf. Um, there was a small production in addition to that, which will be available to sale. Probably by the time you finally give out this podcast, the it will be available. I um, Again, it's at, at the time of recording right now, we don't have it in place yet, so I can't, uh, they should double check at the time. It will probably be available on my website, alizayas.com, A-L-E-H-Z-A-Y-I-S.com. And they will also be distributed in stores until they sell out. After that, I certainly hope to reissue a, a more corrected version, you know, which will not be done four and a half weeks. So I'll probably give it a little more time to review and correct whatever mistakes creeped in um, due to the rush. And also at the same time, um, balance it out a little bit. You know, if there's uh, some things because of, like I mentioned before, why would the German things not be translated? And why is there no uh, um, index? Those things were due to time constraints. And I hope that if I'm able to issue one, if those things will be corrected and evened out. Okay, so I'll link to the website. And like I said, if there, if I find it in any other stores, um, and also people can find it in farm stores, hopefully. Uh, so there's that. Also, just just finally, anything about the Machon that you want to say once we have you on the podcast, there's your uh, your uh, newsletter, your Parsha sheet, whatever you want to call it, that comes out every week. You can talk, you know, mention listeners that we had when, I think the last time you were on, we talked about that. And I think people signed up. People can, how can they contact you? How can they get a hold of that if they haven't seen or interested? Any other projects, recent publications or future publications you want to tell the listeners about? Um, I don't want to ruin a beautiful podcast like this by sounding like an editorial. So I'm going to leave all the self-promotion to you. But uh, thank you. And it, it, I, I feel that the reason why I did this wasn't uh, to promote promote the Machoin as much as I actually feel the Safer is an amazing Safer. I myself learned a lot from it and I would like people to, I wanted to share that with others and since you wanted me to do that as well so I thought it was a good idea and I agreed to do it. Uh, any information they want regarding the weekly or anything like that is available on my website alezayis.com A-L-E-H-Z-A-Y-I-S.com um, My office number is 732-513-3466 They can call and ask ask regarding what's doing in the Machayim. I think that's the purpose of the newsletter. We put out different uh, excerpts of Svarim that we publish every week. There's an opportunity to write the, uh, there's a section where people write the the letters to the editors. We have a lot of very interesting discussions back and forth that um, people have uh, given, uh, written what they have to say and we respond. There's also original articles written by the Chavre Machayim that write on different topics in English and in even though the primary language of the newsletter is in Lashon HaKodesh, comes out every week. You can sign up. There are emails also by contacting us through our website. And um, other than that, I think uh, we'll, leave, we'll just leave it to the Icarus Cypher. Yeah, I, not an editorial. I asked you about it. You, you came on and talked about it. You should be allowed to talk about the uh, Machon. And this is a, you know, it looks like a beautiful job. Like you said, maybe there are mistakes. You did a rough job, but uh, mission be available. And then what I have, what I've seen of it, is looks like a really beautiful overall, job. And overall, it's an amazing, it's an amazing work with with uh, and a lot, with a lot of improvements and additions from the original print. That's I've never, most of all, the new print and the fact that it's available. It's not was not been available the longest time. And as I say, I don't even think it was in print. If it wasn't available, and it wasn't redone. It's in a new print. You added footnotes. You added, you added. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of additional letters. It's just really nice. 
uh, there's a short introduction from you. It's a very nice thing. So um, thank you very much for uh, coming on to, to uh, join me once again. I hope if there's anybody left at this point of the podcast, hopefully they enjoyed it and they found it enlightening and interesting to hear about the Agar Cypher family. And uh, thank you, Rabbi Shimon. Thank you very much for the opportunity.